0: My name is Mike Burton, I'm a podcaster, I live in Britain, and the colour of my facial hair in my mustache doesn't match my beard. And you're listening to the Just Conversation Podcast.
1: Warning. This program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion
2: is advised. Going live in five, four.
1: What does live mean?
2: Uh uh-huh. Welcome to the Just Conversation Podcast, the show where we ground humanity's most absurd and baffling ideas in childish ways. I'm your host, Jack.
1: And I'm your host, Christina.
2: And if you haven't yet, remember to hit that subscribe button to get notified the second new episodes are released.
1: Also, this show is most enjoyable with a listening partner to share opinions and ideas on topics we discuss
2: yes and the best way you could do that is by going to your neighbor's house and kidnapping that individual and then bringing them over to your house and forcing them to listen to the show if they try to run you would have already known kidnapping involves buying rope and duct tape and tying a mofo up to a chair so you do what you have to so long as this show gets listened to also when the cops ask you why you did it do not name us. <laughs> do
1: not name us do not i was gonna say us. like what, what did they get caught they're just they're gonna say we told them
2: look that sounds like a personal problem you are an adult that made your own choices and if you're not an adult why are you listening to the show exactly your parents are failing none of that is our fault that all sounds like personal problems yeah anyways make sure you get somebody to listen to this with mm-hmm. that being said today is a day like every other day I don't know what you thought was coming after that. It's just a day. Duh. No, I'm kidding. We have a guest today. Like, like every other guess. day. Yeah. No, it's a totally awesome guest. And, uh, the best part about this guest is that they are quite, uh, eloquent. They, they are well versed in speaking. Their, their whole shtick is talk. They
1: like to shit chat.
2: They like to chit chat. Yeah, man. We we like conversation and they like the chit chat. We it's it all fits. It all works out. It's a and a, yeah, fair enough. The 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 best thing now well, the the whole punniness of this is the fact that he is. I guess it's not a pun. It's just a word play. I don't. I don't I, know. I, Something's <laughs> happening here. Yeah. Well, that thing. Uh, his name is uh, Mike Burton. Mike Burton hosts a show called Genuine Chit Chat, and uh, where he brings on guests of all walks of life and has. Uh, a lengthy conversation with them about wherever it might go. Does that sound like any other show?
1: Hmm. They're like our sister show. Our brother show. Our brother show. Is the show female?
2: I'm not sure.
1: We should have asked him if his show was female or not.
2: Is our show female? It might be. It might be. I don't know. We had this conversation recently in which uh, objects are always referred to as females. Like a house is female and the car is female.
1: Then our show is a male.
2: Just to fight the stereotype?
1: Yes. And also so he can have a sister,
2: which would be ChitChat. So Genuine Chichat is the female show and our show is a male show? Yes. Fair enough. Can't they just both be brothers?
1: They could be, I guess.
2: Why do we have to fall in these, <laughs> these societal conformities of making objects all female, but only things with consciousness could be referred to as male? What if... Both of these objects are male. Take that, the man.
1: Yeah, take that.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no. So on top of the fact that both of our shows are male, they're brothers. They're brothers for sure. They come from the same branch or I guess the same trunk. They're different branches on the same tree. This metaphor is going somewhere. You get the gist of it. Yes, yes. You
1: and him are a lot alike. Yes. You guys could be brothers.
2: So yeah. Yeah. Uh, So he's a guy who loves to con- converse. He's really good at conversation. His whole thing is con- conversation. It's, r- it's really fascinating to hear this guy talking. I like that he aims conversations in particularly interesting directions. Like us, he doesn't make the job to guide where it goes. He lets the guests do that. But he has an idea of what things he was interested about that guest to begin with. And so when those things come up, he unpacks. And I like that a lot. It's a great way. It's a great way to keep flow, not interrupt, which is the part I hate the most when you're stopping a thought. If you're going to add something to the thought, great. Interrupt all you want. But if you're going to end that thought to reach the next question, you are killing conversation. Yeah but a lot of people do that that's how people talk that's interviews in general Mm -hmm. that's why i like to say like yes you are the spotlight of the show but this is not an interview this is just a conversation (laughs) clapping sound in the background cue that shit anyways so yeah so we have mike burton Uh, you can find the show pretty much anywhere podcast uh, genuine chit chat uh, wherever the hell you'd want, uh, all the socials, genuine chit chat, um, the podcast places, genuine chit chat, and genuine chit chat here, and genuine chit chat over there. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this amazing conversation with Mike Burton from Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, so yeah, enjoy.
1: Enjoy. Hi. Hi.
0: Yeah, I've been really good. I mean, over here in England, it's uh, we've had a heat wave, which compared to anywhere else in the world is not actually a heat wave. But in England, where almost no one has aircon, it's it's really, really, really hot. And in the flat that I live in with my girlfriend, we're sort of like in the middle. So when it's hot, we, we kind of get all the heat from everywhere else, which has been uh, fun, shall we say. I'm glad we've got fans in the flat. But uh, aside from that, I'm I'm all good. I mean, how have, how have you been doing over there? I mean, America,
2: man. I'm I'm as good as it <laughs> could be for the, for the situation. I guess I'm not dead yet, so hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon. I know the world is watching the uh, the giant meltdown this country is having.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I've got a, a couple of friends, both podcasters and just friends outside of the podcasting world who are from America, and it's like a lot of the time when I speak to them, it's like. When you're gonna move over to England? Come on, you know we're just kind of we're similar in a lot of ways. We've got a lot of crap problems, but we don't seem to quite have the same volume. It's uh, it, it's I mean the whole the whole Western world in a lot of ways, especially in 2020, is a massive clusterfuck. Like I mean, Australia's normally okay, and they started the year off with of bushfires, and it's like fuck's sake! <laughs> like already, that's just 2020 hit off with a massively uh, gut punch of a start almost everywhere in uh, the Western world. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, (laughs) the world's
2: having a panic attack, essentially. We're having, uh, the planet's crisis. There's a midlife, which is funny, because we could say maybe we're at the midpoint of the planet's life, which, you know, it's been around for a couple billion years, and it's only going to be a couple more billion before it totally goes away, but we could say right now Mm. this is a midlife of the planet, and it's just having a real heavy meltdown moment where it doesn't know what it's going to do with its planet life, and it's freaking out, and... uh, It's it's a weird moment for, like you said, the Western world. I'm not entirely sure what's happening, because when you look at the the underdeveloped countries, right, they're they're perfectly they're dealing with the virus like that's a global problem. That's whatever. Mm -hmm. We can't fix that. But politically speaking, shit's hitting the fan pretty hard right now. And uh, yeah, it seems that it's pretty much just the West. Don't get me wrong. There are a couple of underdeveloped countries that have just suddenly been taken over by dictators. Mm. And that's a weird thing that's happening too. There's like a wave happening. I don't know if you've noticed that there's a wave of dictators popping up in all the major countries and all these underdeveloped countries, dictators everywhere, people trying to take over. So it seems like we're entering a wave of dictatorship, but I don't even know what really is happening. Is it the death of democracy that we're witnessing?
0: I think it's one of those weird things where it's where in the sort of the the first world countries, shall we say, in the Western world. So I'll say a lot of the places in Europe, I'd say like Canada, America, some of the places in Asia and Australia as just really layman's terms ones. I'm not going to get too specific in all of them because I'll offend someone. But with those ones, we've had the Internet and that sort of thing and like um, social media, that sort of jazz for quite a bit longer than a lot of other places have. And so what I think is happening is almost a lot of these other countries are kind of catching up uh in social movements in certain ways. So now if you said for it as an example certain less developed countries on their side of social media and the internet are maybe 5 or 10 years behind in certain aspects they're now getting to the point where they're like oh the rest of the world like if we live in a place and there's like a dictator taking over if we record it on our phone or if we post about it on twitter or something it will now have a much bigger impact than it did say five ten years ago when the rest of the world was still getting to grips of things so i feel like it's kind of there's almost a, a degree of delay in uh not only obviously there's social things that people that has delayed there's certain places in, in the world where they still you know being gay is illegal and things like that but in general i think the internet is quite a big forefront of that and it, it's shining a big light on certain places which are or have been having issues for quite a while but it's now much coming further to the forefront if you know what i'm saying
2: i i actually not only do i understand i completely agree i have this complaint about technology all the time that we we th- We're blinded to it although we use it all the time somehow, where we believe that everything that's happening around us is brand new. But I really just think we're aiming more cameras at it. Like really, really. Like, yeah, there's there there probably are more dictators, but also that's probably not even what we're seeing. We're probably just seeing like people who've been dictating for god knows how long and just happen to be in place now making the most noise because there's so many people with phones aiming. So I do think I do think you're definitely onto something there that we are we're just seeing it more. It's not that it hasn't been there. It's that we're just seeing Mm. it more. It's more visible. It's more prominent because we can Share it. We can talk about it. Countries we didn't know existed or have a hold of the phones that we threw away and landed somewhere else. And now they're using it and they're aiming those cameras at their problems. And we're seeing the problems and being like, hey, look, they're going through something now, too, like we are. And it's like, no, we were always all going through something all the time together. We're just aware of it now.
0: I think one of the good examples of that is North Korea. Like North Korea, aside from seeing Team America World Police, which is a Kraken film, aside from that, no, to my knowledge, not many people knew that North Korea was, you know, to be bluntly, as fucked as it is. But obviously in recent years, where everyone's had the internet and things like that, except people in North Korea, um, where we've had that everyone's like oh my god what's happening in north korea is terrible he's like yeah it is but it's been like that for quite a long time now it's not just been the last you know five ten years it's been decades and decades and decades if not longer and as as you say like one of the things you said where we basically have loads of uh, equipment and technology that is so outdated we don't use anymore and other countries are picking it up i think i remember it it might be certain places in africa where they are only now getting into vhs tapes which is a it's a weird thing to think about. It's almost like a time capsule, but it's just because obviously where certain countries or certain nations don't have the financial and technological infrastructure to be able to support, you know, 4K Blu-rays, you know, I mean, I can't really afford a 4K Blu-ray player, let alone someone who's living in a more impoverished place. So it kind of, in a weird way, it does make sense that there's almost like technological lag mixed with, you know, the, the kind of political... But the way the politics are working as well, kind of mixing it all together. But then, okay, how do you consolidate this
2: in which y- there is the fact that technology is altering our lives in this way and it is showing us things more and some of it is things that has always been there and some of it pops up and we aim a camera at it the second that it pops up. So there's a blur happening between things that have always existed and things that are currently happening only now. They they seem to be mixed together. There's no way to tell what's what because it's all happening simultaneous from our point of view. Our perspective is... It's it's all here now. We couldn't see what was there before, but we can see what was there before now, and we can see what's here now now. How do you even know what's real at that point? What's a warped perspective? Do you even care at that point? Because it is difficult to really wrap our heads around the fact that there is, like you said, it's a time capsule. We are seeing things that have been happening for very long, but for us, it's in the moment. It's a flash from the past. Although there's people who are getting old technology right now, they're just arriving there because they couldn't have it before. We're witnessing tragedies in similar places for the first time. So we're getting informed like it's happening in our time, real time, now, now. But it's always been happening. So we're seeing the past play itself out like it's – and how, could we even tell that it was always happening unless somebody from there told us? Or if we went out of our way to research something for a change because that's another problem we're all facing. If We just read headline and call it what it is, you know? So wh- what do you think? How do you deal with not knowing what's real and what's not, if that's a, th- a problem you even, like, face in life?
0: I've had it before. I had this strange epiphany moment probably about – um, which well, to give some context to any of your uh, listeners who don't know my life story, which I presume is most of them. Uh, when I was 19, I'm 26 now, and when I was 19, uh, my dad passed away uh, due to cancer. Um, and it was obviously a horrendous thing to happen, but it's not something that really actively upsets me, hence why I can speak about it on a podcast and whatnot. And when that happened, I had to do a lot of, you know, introspection. I had to, you know, be there for my mum in a lot of ways and lots of other sort of things. Now, the reason that's relevant is because in the period of time after he passed, there was about a two year gap where, there was some darker sides where I was, let's say, doing things I probably shouldn't be doing that wasn't alcohol and other aspects like that. And it took a while to kind of get to grips with a lot of things. And one of the things that I'd always uh, been fighting with myself with was, was knowledge. And there was, a, there was a thing that I had, which was before my dad passed away, I kind of inherited almost this personality trait from my dad. I couldn't really... I hated being wrong and I couldn't handle not seeming like I was very intelligent or I was well informed about everything. And when you're in that mind state, you end up knowing far less than you ever could compared to if you just recognize you can't know everything. I think there's some sort of proverb which is like a like a wise man says, the the more you find out about the world, the more you realize the less you know. And so what happened was when my dad passed away and I had this sort of a lot of time to look in wood and kind of reevaluate who I was and try to work out all sorts of other things. I mean, I want to clarify, I had a very good relationship with my dad um, in a lot of ways, but he wasn't perfect. He never he was wrong ever. And so with that knowledge part, the way it connects is that I was so obsessed with trying to be smart and trying to be intelligent and trying to be on top of everything that it would freak me out to come into any conversation where I wasn't like a, an expert in, which is most conversations. But I wouldn't really recognize that for a while i didn't if i was in the conversation with someone i would kind of conflate certain things or act like i know what i was talking about when i didn't really and, and that sort of stuff so once i'd kind of got over that and i kind of had that uh epiphany moment where i was like oh i don't know most things like most things i don't actually know and once i had that moment it 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 made me kind of take a big step back where no one can know everything and you kind of have to cherry pick what things you want to know and what things are important in certain ways so it's like you know i i would love to be able to you know do matrix style click something in the back of my head and suddenly suddenly i know everything which maybe elon musk is going to do that at some point but like it it would become too much of an information overload so the way i kind of do it in, in my own way now is more so there's a few passions that i i really uh, go full in for and i like learning about the, the things i'm passionate about but when it comes to world politics and you know there's so much going on and there's so much information you know there's the 24-hour news cycle in itself like you could sit in front of a tv and just watch cnn or sky news or any of these other news stations consistently all day without doing anything else and you still wouldn't get all the news. So with that in mind, I after I kind of had the sort of realization I couldn't know everything and I never will, it took a lot of the pressure off and it made me go, "Oh, I don't no one's expecting me to know everything and no one really can anyway to my knowledge." So when I was younger, it was definitely something that would play on my mind and it would bother me quite a lot if I didn't know what was happening in Syria or Libya or ever. But now it's more of like I have peripheral vision on these events and these things that happen, but when there's something I don't know about and someone else speaks about it, rather than trying to act like I know about it, I will instead go, oh, I didn't know whatever's happening there. What do you know about it? Could you tell me? And then I'm not going to remember everything they said, but I find that I'm quite good at picking up almost footnotes of information. So if we have like a full conversation for like half an hour about one thing, I will probably remember like one thing from that. But that just means when I have a conversation with someone else about that same subject, that one little footnote can be the jumping off point for a whole new conversation. And so that's that's kind of how it is. Almost in a very, very, very simple way of looking at it, I have almost like a post-it note of information about most things, enough to be able to start a conversation on them, but not necessarily carry it on. I said a lot there, so <laughs> I think we we ha- we share common ground when
2: it comes to uh, love of information. Uh, or maybe love of information is a very specific term for myself. Uh, I don't know how much you particularly love
0: information per se, but it, I, I love it. I've got a book which is literally uh, it's actually next to me. Let me see what the title is. It's called Knowledge is Beautiful, and it is just a book where every page is different Venn diagrams about random pieces of information oh, God, and love that. all kinds of other cool and crazy things. There's whole pages of like myths that are debunks. And I like, I love having trivia. So I'm completely, yes. I, I love being able to be that guy where someone says, Tell me some random fact, and I can just pull one out of a hat i, I love that sort of thing yes so, i am regard.
2: exactly the same thing i actually have a book called 101 random facts and it's exactly what you just described it's a book of just completely <laughs> random absurd things you've ne- you'd never even think of wondering about it's just completely absurd Amazing. ideas and thoughts that people have facts real information just about the world one way or another i love that kind of stuff but i i particularly love knowledge and it's specifically what you were saying the one thing you brought up is the the proverb which go, it, it actually goes the more you know the more you know you don't know mm. and that that proverb is powerful because it says that as you expand knowledge uh, there's actually a couple of iterations of that one which goes that the the more questions you answer the more questions you come up with which is as you answer one question, that answer then gives you the information necessary to ask like 10 more questions so that it's always more than you have. And as you you answer those 10 questions, now you're informed enough to ask 10 more questions for each one of those 10 questions. And so it keeps expanding. And the more information you have, the less information, the more information you know you don't have. And that, that perpetuates mm-hmm. forever. Now, as a, as a kid, I... Was obsessed with learning, and what you just talked about was the same thing which I always grabbed information and I loved to collect information. And I, except I never had a problem with being wrong, I don't know why that never happened to
0: me, but I would get one was the ego thing I got from my parents, so maybe it was like a slightly different parent dynamic. See, I, 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 what I would say is I had more
2: difficulty with communication than what you made it seem like you were having not because of mm. uh, the uh w- wanting to pretend that I knew more than I did but because I didn't understand why other people didn't want to know as much as I did and why people were okay with essentially just being like I have enough information that would drive me crazy and I would actually have <laughs> anger tantrums trying to communicate because uh, i don't know if you've ever noticed this but people don't like having to explain their thoughts that they haven't really thought about
0: mm. have you ever yeah, been I faced that, with that uh, a lot yeah a lot of my friends get that like i've even my uh, my girlfriend who i do love to bits but occasionally i'll just ask her a question and she'll be like i don't know no but like, what "Would you want to think about it so it's not really anything i've considered and i don't really fancy talking about it right now, which I, I suppose is fine. But for me, if someone asks me a question, I don't think I, in the last probably decade anyone's asked me a question. And if I don't know the answer on that spot, I will then think of an answer to try and, and give them. I I love exploring reasons why I do things. And then if someone says, you know, I, with, in past, with my dad passing away, I had to do a lot of introspection. And that, is, in a sense, has made me kind of say why to myself quite a lot. You know, why do I love this thing so much? Oh, I don't know, maybe because of this? Yeah, but why was that? I'll be, you know what I mean? That's sort of uh, breaking it down to a more simplistic
2: idea. Do, do you consider yourself uh, to be philosophically
0: minded? Uh, yes, I think I would be. I... Um, uh, I've always been intrigued. I have my hand in many pies of of, uh, things that stimulate me intellectually. And one thing that's always intrigued me, although I personally am an atheist, is religion in itself. And obviously, religion is not the same as philosophy. But the the ideas of different views on the world is something that has always very strongly uh, intrigued me. So whether it's religion or it's spirituality or it's just you know, simulation theory, things like that, any of those ideas, I love talking with people about, like, like, if you're at like a house party, and it's very late, and there's only a few of you left, and then someone goes, has anyone? Well, what do you think about, you know, aliens being the, uh, you know, the, the theory of aliens coming down, you know, thousands or millions of years ago, and they're the reason our ape ancestors kind of their brains doubled inside so quickly? And blah blah blah. You know, all that sort of stuff. Like I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but talking about it is so much fun, you
2: know? You just described the guy who would leave that party, my best friend. One, I <laughs> I'm the guy who intentionally stays at a party too long. If I have no if I don't know like anybody too personally, like if I'm there with people, I usually hate being at parties, let's leave as soon as we can and go do something funner. But mm. if I'm there just because I was invited and I'm not necessarily close with anybody else other than the host or whatnot, I'm the person who like eats that party up till the very end, till the stragglers are left. Cause those are the people who <laughs> open those conversations up. They're either wasted or so bored that they just start up any conversation and I will jump in. Now, mm. one thing you've brought up is that you're an atheist mm-hmm. how much thought have you given that
0: well i went to catholic school for the first uh so in england uh it's it's primary school uh which would be from reception which is kindergarten for you up to year six which is the age of so from the age of five to the age of 10 I was in Catholic school so I'd go to mass and church and I I know the lord's prayer off by heart. Uh my dad was an agnostic, my mum kind of believes what she almost fancies at the time like she prays when things get bad but she's not necessarily a religious individual and I many years uh wore a St Christopher around my neck which is you know the patron saint of uh travel in the Christian and Catholic Sort of side of things i also took religious studies as a gcse which is the qualification at secondary school so when you're like 15 16 and then at college which i think is your guys late high school so between the age of 16 and 18 i then took religious studies as a uh, a level um so that's another qualification as well so I've given it a lot of thought um, in a lot of ways. I, I have my own idea. I mean, I call myself an atheist. I don't I, – I kind of tussle with the idea maybe I'm more of an agnostic atheist. Like I, I don't believe there is a deity watching over everyone. But I do have a uh, thought of what the universe is that isn't just humans live and then they die and that's the end of it. Oh, please like it's, share It's a bit
2: more complicated than that. Yes, yes. Please dive into that. What, what are you what's, – what's happening? In fact, let's break it up. Let's make it simple. Um, yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll get to creation we'll get to the beginning and we'll get to the the co- collective ending at some point mm. but let's focus on the individual so uh you're on your deathbed you're the lights are fading the light at the end of the tunnel you could see it everything is coming dark mm. around you and you're headed towards that light you're you get to that light What the fuck tell me the story what happens as soon as you get there
0: my idea uh is the consciousness in itself potentially uh can transcend dimensions in a sense so obviously we're living in the fourth dimension at the moment which i think is like length uh length width depth and then it's time and then the fifth dimension is parallel and then you can get to like multiverse theory and all that sort of other jazz but when when you die i don't believe that your consciousness goes on into say a heaven or a hell or anything like that It's more, it sounds kind of lame, the best way of describing it almost would either be with Star Wars or with Interstellar. Now with Interstellar, at one point, he goes, minor, minor spoiler, he goes uh, far into the future or something. He goes into this weird thing where he interacts with what humans become and they're not even physical beings anymore. They're just this strange, uh, kind of almost conscious in in some ways. And the reason it links to Star Wars as well is always because you become one with the universe in a way. So your consciousness just, becomes one with everything and it it's, it comes from my belief that is actually oddly enough more of a science-based relief that i believe the big bang happened and stuff but all of us came from say a pinpoint in time which all energy and all matter and everything was there and then the big bang happened and it basically shot it all out in loads of different directions but obviously energy is never lost it's only ever transferred so the idea is that the consciousness that we all have at the moment was all came from the same exact point just like all the trees that are alive every being that is alive all sort of energy the suns etc so
2: the the, so the global regard, consciousness uh, you, you're basically discussing the global consciousness there was one yeah. uh, singular presence that uh, mm-hmm. essentially had all the collective perspectives as one eventually sort of almost pretending to be all these other individuals but we're really just part of the collective bigger consciousness that if we die we're just a bigger perspective of what we were before so we could just see a bigger picture
0: yeah yeah exactly i mean it's one of those things where i i look at things almost uh with a scientific viewpoint sizing up so as an example Humans are a collection of trillions of cells uh, that all make you you. There's not necessarily one specific thing that makes you you per se. Uh, and you're like, a super, every human is like a superorganism. And then the Earth, by scaling up, is the same. It's, if you look at it in a blunt way, it's just like a ball of rock in in some ways. But really, it's a multifaceted being due to the sheer amount of organisms on it. Then you zoom out again, and that's the you know universe. Well, there's galaxies and solar systems and universes, yeah, and you keep yeah. zooming out and out and out. And eventually, I think it's just it is all one connected thing. And I think that the the reason my the consciousness part kind of comes into it is I I just think I believe that consciousness is just a form of energy that we haven't yet discovered how to fully uh read um at the moment so it's just it's a form of energy that somehow almost saves data in in some strange way and all i think it is is just yeah when you die you kind of it's kind of like going to sleep but obviously that's that's the very atheistic view is you know you close your eyes you're dead that's the end of it but my thing is more so it almost becomes like a nice calm you just go back into being one with the universe and then maybe at some point if reincarnation could be a thing or anything like that or if the you know the entire universe ends and then it starts up again you could live the exact same life again or you could live as a slightly different one and you may not even know or you almost certainly wouldn't know that you're you it's one of those strange things of my own sort of idea of the universe which is is kind of more everything came from the same thing so i presume that when everything ends it goes back to the same thing see this is
2: completely fascinating because i've never heard somebody describe what i think so clearly you and i are so exactly on the same point like i'll I'll tell you (laughs) how exaggeratedly equal i've you've clearly thought about this about as much as i have and i'll explain Mm. which i believe you're going to agree with everything i'm saying let's go to the smallest scale we can think of right we have an atom an atom builds uh, what we consider matter. A bunch of atoms together equal forms of matter. We can say enough atoms together equal a cell. Enough cells together equal a living organism. Enough living organisms next to each other equal a planet. Enough planets around each other equal a star system. A star Enough star systems around each other equal a galaxy. We can keep scaling this up. We have enough galaxies together. It's a universe. Presumably enough universes together. We have a multiverse. That goes all the way up. Okay. That same logic, as you're saying, uh, definitely applies to anything and everything we can think of. If we look at freaking lettuce, it has that sort of spiral coming out of itself, all this equal type of thing going on, you know, as above, so below. It's It's just mm-hmm. infinitely growing out of the same point, and it's all the same thing. At any scale, you look at anything, I think, is the same thing. So if we consider that we are living organisms and that our cells don't think we're alive, our cells don't question whether they're inside of a living organism. They just think they are the main thing living in an ecosystem. We think... We are the main organisms with anything relative to us, and we don't consider that the planet is alive. The same way the planet is probably having that same thought, not questioning whether its cells are alive or if it's part of a bigger system. So all of these things are equal, but different somehow. Now, we get to the consciousness problem, right? So you're basically describing, um, Brahma, the, the ocean of, of thought, of being. Which is, uh, there's in Buddhism, not Buddhism, in Hinduism, there is this, uh, thought where there is a, the individuals, we're all individuals, we all have our own perspectives or whatnot. And then there's this God um Above all gods, right, and he is uh, compared to the ocean pretty consistently he's the biggest god, yeah, there's a god of love and there's a god of like trees, there's the god of like water or whatnot, but then there's god God, he's this like over exaggerated energy everywhere all at once, everything that could possibly be, and when you die, you don't go see like a figure that looks like a person or anything you 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 are a water drop, you're a water drop mm. in an infinite rain. And Brahma is the ocean. And your fa- your life cycle is you dropping from the sky, right? You're falling from the sky. And the entire mm-hmm. trip from the top is you as a single drop. But when you get to the bottom, your death, you just become part of that ocean where every other water drop is falling into. And that's the idea of Brahma. But I think that's also the idea behind the global consciousness. I think we both agree perfectly in that all things are one to some degree, mm-hmm. in one manner, shape, or form. Are you familiar with the
0: Hermetic Principles? I have heard the word before, which probably makes me think that I don't know it, and then when you start explaining it, I may. <laughs> so please tell me. Well, the
2: Hermetic Principles are the, are so, sort of a seven set, of seven rules that apply to reality as a whole. They explain how primarily, and first of all, Everything is mental. All thoughts. All things are thoughts. There's nothing that isn't a thought. Actually, look at it right here. This is about to be pulled up. Mm -hmm. Let's see if this clears up. Okay. Zoom in on that real quick so I can see that. Can you see this The uh, diagram? Not diagram, but this chart that was pulled up? Yeah. Okay. So, all is mind. The universe is mental. Now, that is 100% the first thing you got to go with. Now, yes, I believe in the Big Bang. But also, I believe the Big Bang is sort of a projection because everything is thought and everything is uh, we. uh, How do I put it? So we got our our nerves perceive, send a message to our neurons that process it. And then our brain clarifies it. And then our conscious mind receives it. So it Mm -hmm. went through like a million different filters before it got where it was going. We're not really seeing what reality looks like. It was all generated on the way to us. That proves just through sheer science that it's all mental. But if we look even through, through religion, we could say that it's all energy. It's all spiritual. Okay. Same concept. Whatever. It's all not what we think it is. So all is mental. That's the global consciousness. That's what you're talking about. There's this bigger conscious mind. But then there's the other thing you were talking about. The scaling problem where it looks all individual, but you go small enough and it looks the same. Why do our atoms uh, with electrons and protons look exactly the way that star systems do with planets circling them and the same way that galaxies do with stars uh, and circling them? We could do this forever, and that's the as-above-so-below problem. That's mm-hmm. all things are equal at all scales in every direction possible. There's no deviation from anything. You have to assume everything is equal one way or another. And... That's just part of hermetic principles like anything else. There's also the principle of vibration, that nothing rests. Everything is ever moving. Everything is in perpetual motion, which is why it looks like time's arrow is always moving forward. And we're always experiencing time. And nothing tells us that time has to move forward. But that's how we experience it, isn't it? It's a weird conundrum that we have, because physics doesn't tell us time should move forward exclusively. In fact, it tells us the opposite. Time should be able to move back just as frequently and it's just our perception that makes it look like it's in one direction, but we're we could be shuff shif, shifting forward and back all the time. And every time it moves back, we unlearn things in the opposite order that we learn them. And when it starts moving forward again, it's like that was our first time in that moment. We would have no way of knowing.
0: And I was just going to say to interject. I'm obviously looking at this um uh the uh the, the seven uh, hermetic principles that you've got up there. Funnily enough, the next one, which is polarity, I was going to say. One of my main reasons behind my way of thinking and with the scientific mindedness is the reason I don't believe in there being a deity is because the universe doesn't have the same hierarchical system, in my view, that religion subscribes to. The universe is net zero, which is, you know, every, every uh, a very easy example to explain in layman's terms is if you have a flat ground to create a mountain, you have to create an equal whole. To move that. So it's obviously all it is at the moment is the difference between the Big Bang, like post Big Bang and pre Big Bang, is before the Big Bang, there was all in air quotes, you know, like positive and negative energy that completely evened out. And then what we're in now is the state of everything is moving and it is still the same amount of positive and negative, the same amount of, say, life and death, as an example, or things like that. But all it is is just from the start of the Big Bang to the end of the universe or however you want to describe it as we know it all it is is just this very simple equation of just you know one minus one equals zero and that's the whole universe all it does is basically just equals out to net zero and that's why i believe there isn't a deity because in all manners of life when you look at things you look at trees they they you know go through the seasons their leaves fall off or the plants some of the plants sort of die and things but then the foliage that falls to the ground becomes the livelihood of a lot of insects and a lot of other things that grow and even the dirt and the compost and whatever for itself to help grow other plants and things so the death then equals the life of other things so in my view the entire universe just is based on the principle of equation of just everything evens out in the end And therefore, in my view, a deity could not exist within that state because the deity would be outside of that. And therefore, that would be an extra layer, if you see what I'm
2: saying. Well, I actually do see what you're saying. And I have an opposing argument to that. Now, don't get me wrong. Before I begin explaining my angle, I don't want you to think I'm some sort of theist or something. But I I do 100% believe that... I don't know enough and I will never have the capacity to, if that makes sense. There's no way I could really ever comprehend if there is, or if there isn't, because it's not for me to understand. The universe has no reason to make any sense to me. Now, that being said, I began my life primarily as an atheist thinking that made sense. Then I went on to consider myself an agnostic because I thought that made sense. Then I decided everything above is stupid, including theism. Nothing fucking makes sense. Nothing will ever (laughs) make sense. But I'll explain why. And it comes back to what you were just talking about, which is ultimately uh, uh, the fact that it's it's all the sum of what was already there. There's nothing more and there's nothing less. But I can actually give you an image as to how there is a god. Now, we are gods all the time. If you think of what the uh, Hedron Collider ultimately is, right... We have mm-hmm. two atoms, and we put them in this giant machine that's the size of, like, three s- countries, and we spin it. We spin these two atoms, and they're spinning at crazy high speeds just so they could smash into each other, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And they blow it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, that large hadron collider. Yeah, everyone was freaking out about it, about... Ten no, about twelve, fourteen years ago, where everyone was like, "Oh my god, they're going to make black holes, it's going to end reality." Yes. And I had to explain to my English class in the school that that wasn't going to happen. So yes, <laughs> yes. okay, I, I am aware of the hadron so, collider, the Higgs boson. I think they were trying to. Yes, discover that's and, actually what they um, did
2: uh, discover there. But okay, so so we smash these two atoms together, and we create was this, what is essentially, or we describe as the state at the beginning of the Big Bang, right? So we smash these two things mm-hmm. together and we get all the same particles that existed at the very beginning of time. All of those exact same things. Now, think about this real hard, right? Anything smaller than us lives at a faster scale. Uh, a photon, one of the smallest things we can think of, moves so fast and weightlessly that it travels at literally the speed of light. It is the, what we measure as light to be there in the first place. So it's the smallest most weightless thing we can find. And then we look at things that are really, really astronomically big, like planets that last billions of years and stars that last trillions of years and black holes that are going to last unfathomable amounts of time. So there's a consistency with size relative to time. If we think that we smash these two atoms together, right, and we do create the conditions of... The beginning of the universe, it might be, keep in mind, this is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second that happens inside this machine. We do this giant, we built this giant machine and do all this work for the splittest of split seconds. It's just a quick blink that is so insignificant. Now, at that scale, though, we've created a universe. And although we can't measure anything in there except random particles we're looking for. In that scale, if we could shrink down, because we got to think that that entire universe is the size of an atom. That's how small Mm -hmm. the entirety of that universe is. The whole universe, everything that exists. We just think of the size of our own universe and how it's not just our planet or our star system or our galaxy, which is unfathomably large, but billions upon billions upon billions of galaxies and how huge that is. Now, we fit all of that, all of it, 100% into something smaller than an atom that that in that that looks instantaneous to us but in there there are billions and trillions of years going by there could be planets that form and creatures that gain life and they come to be and civilizations that evolve and they take over entire galaxies because they've been around for trillions of years and they go extinct and then that universe disappears because it got too old it's already googleplex many years old and it died of old age the universe to us that was a split second and to them it was infinity it was literally infinity whoever pressed go on that machine is god because he made that that being said yes there is a creator in that instance now is that creator watching over everything no could that creator even know that there's life in there no if we assume that everything is equal but different and that everything is as above, so below, just like the atoms are surrounded by protons and electrons and just how planets circle stars and just how stars circles galaxies, the same is equal everywhere. We have to assume everything is normal, right? Occam's razor, whatever is most likely. We mm-hmm. have to assume that we did whatever's most likely and we are potentially in the circumstance that is most likely why would it be such a stretch that we are just experiencing a universe inside what to somebody else is gonna be a split of a split of a split second that we're just experiencing as the entirety of our universe's life and this will seem infinite to us but this infinity when it's over all the time that's left it's just a blink of a second to some random scientists who hit play on their machine and that's technically god yes there's a deity yes there's something so unfathomably large that did create everything we're experiencing but they don't even know we're here i think that's Mm -hmm. god yeah
0: i mean that is definitely a possibility mean, one of there's an episode of uh funny enough futurama um as you can probably tell by the very few things i've mentioned i'm a big sci-fi nut uh with futurama there's an episode where uh bender he essentially meets god but god isn't He's not, like you know, not like the Simpsons God where it's like some you know white dude with a beard. Uh it it's I said Simpsons God because the future the Simpsons connected. Uh, but with it was like this uh he's in this sort of nebula and he's talking to this god-being deity thing. And it's more so that that representation of God is like the consciousness that the universe Is essentially so the universe in some way has some degree of consciousness. Which, if we thought about it in some ways, like you know, as you said with the scaling things, is if you thought of maybe every star is, if you zoom out enough, an actual atom, and eventually you zoom out enough, and that is really just our entire universe is actually just. What a human, well not human, but what a brain is, and we've just got the perspectives all wrong. So if you become smaller than an atom, as you've said, and smaller and smaller, then an atom actually could become a star to you or a sun, and you know that sort of idea, it does intrigue me. But I feel, I feel like with the deity thing, I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea that there is a being that could have maybe flicked the switch, or is for our current universe the thing that caused it. I suppose with me, it, it's more of a, obviously the ultimate question is what kind of started it all. And the, obviously it depends on what you subscribe to as to what you think did start it all. But it's a very interesting idea. And I think as you, you were rightly saying, there's all, it's so unfathomable that people can't even comprehend it. It's like you try and say to someone, there's a bit like, there's more, I think there's more, there's just galaxies in the universe that we know of than there are grains of sand on planet Earth, which which is unfathomable to think about. But, because humans you know you talk about you know 10 oh that's easy to visualize oh 100 okay i can visualize that quite easily you try and imagine a million things and you're like i can't even conceive of that you try and count to a billion it will take almost your entire life it's it's all these kind of weirdness of things and with that said i think that part of it goes in with what you said slightly earlier in our conversation about we don't have the means to be able to even fathom that sort of things and one way that i compare it to uh to make people understand where I'm kind of coming from, is that very, very, very simply, um, we don't we don't have five senses, we actually have more than five senses. But for ease of this conversation, let's say we've got the five senses, you know, taste, smell, uh, touch, hearing, sight. As something as simple as oh, uh, we see things, and therefore if I see something that exists, even though obviously the complication with science is that light has to hit it, blah, blah, blah. If you just think even more simple than that, the human eye, we cannot see like ultraviolet light as an example or infrared you know that you see the light spectrum and our eyes can only actually see a portion of what we are aware exists on the light spectrum as well as hearing you know you blow a dog whistle and dogs hear it we don't hear it that doesn't mean that the dog whistle noise doesn't exist it's just that we don't have the capacity to do that so in even senses that we have we don't even have the capacity to see the entire spectrum of what those senses could could uh register let's go even further than that you know you've got so many creatures on this earth um who have got so many other senses you know uh you know when often when there's like a natural uh disaster happening you know all the animals realize first because they have the sense they have the feeling either it's a pressure change or it's this universal consciousness or whatever it is some even old people just say oh i've got pain in my hip and therefore a storm is coming because the pressure can interact You know, there's all kinds of weird and crazy amazing senses that people have that are very inexplicable, inex- inexplicable in a lot of ways. So the idea that of trying to envision the creation of the universe and a deity and that degree of consciousness on a level that we can't even fathom is, I believe, one of those things where I love talking about it. Clearly, and it's a lot of fun to talk about. But it's so incomprehensible that we don't even. It's not that we don't have the tools to measure it. Is that we don't even know what we would need to measure it. Like it's, it's like. If you were born without any sight, it's like trying to describe the color red. It's like, well, you you can't, it's impossible. You just have to see it. Well, I feel like with a lot of things, including the, the universe, our brains don't have the wiring or the capacity to even fathom what you would need to even be able to perceive it, if you see what I mean. Yeah and
2: uh I completely agree that it's it, like I said before we we not only not only with what we have and what we understand could we not understand what what we don't understand if if that makes sense so how do you know what you don't know that's basically exactly. where we are how do you devise a tool to learn something you don't know that you don't know and that's yeah. crazy enough but the fact that all the things we do know even if we could gain if I could ha- if I had a magic ball and I could wish show me all the things I'm capable of perceiving how much mm. is left out because I simply can't perceive it you know like that mm. that alone could be 99% of it cuz I might only have the capacity to perceive even if I could learn everything I could perceive and give me the knowledge capacity the brain ram to be able to run and understand all of it. Give me all the gigabytes of every bit of information that has ever existed that I could possibly perceive in my universe. Who knows? I could be less than 1% of what is out there that I can't perceive. How many light spectrums I can't, I never see. How many senses are impossible for me as a human to experience. How many thoughts could I not have because we don't have the language that triggers that thought to exist in the first place. You know, there's so many problems. And that Mm -hmm. alone goes without saying that whatever base reality is needs to be first sensed by our nerves and then sent to our neurons and then processed by our brain and then clarified and sent to our consciousness how many times that what was there get warped from what it was before it
0: got to what i consider me consciously perceiving it Uh, the chinese whispers of your own senses almost for each each my each like translation from one point to another even if you miss or something tweaks by point zero 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 one percent the sheer amount of times it has to translate to get from the starting point to the end point it could as you correctly say it could change so drastically i mean even something as simple as our own eyes actually see things i think it's upside down because well because you know evolution the way the human eye works and things and i our brains have to actually flip it to make it make sense to us. That alone is just like even a easy example of that sort of translation issue. Yeah, that's crazy. That's completely nuts, isn't it? So so mm. wh- how different
2: is what we do have? And it's just based on that difference, it's probably completely wrong. The only things we have are completely wrong. So anything we have the capacity to learn is wrong. And we don't have the capacity to learn all the things. How could we ever learn all the things? It would be... It's unfathomable, comprehensible. There's no, there's nothing we could ever do to grasp all the information, and and no. it's 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 truly baffling that we just kind of wander. And this is what I mean when I said when I was a kid, I definitely had a problem with people who would uh, sort of reject information. And I'm like, what do you know that you're not telling me for you to be this sure of whatever you have? You know, because I, mm. I I couldn't process. Like I, I'm a person who likes to ask why. And when you ask why enough times, it doesn't matter to what, it will break down anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's going to break down to the point that the person you're asking why to doesn't really know. So you got a behavior, right? You, you like to ride a bike. Okay, why do you like to ride a bike? Well, I like sports. Well, why do you like sports? Well, I got raised liking sports. My dad taught me how to play sports. Okay, why did your dad liking sports with you why why do you now like to play sports as a response to that well i guess i cherish the time okay why do you cherish the time well uh, i guess that's what you're supposed to do because they're your parents okay and who told you that why is that important to you well i guess it's cultural okay then who made up the rules for that culture well i don't know (laughs) and that will happen to everything you follow it back enough and it's like well i don't really know why i'm doing what i'm doing or why i think what i think or why i say what i say or why i do what i do i don't really mm-hmm. i just kind of wander through life assuming i know never really questioning it that bothers the hell out of me because there's no way we can know mm-hmm. right
0: no not Not at least in the current state we're in i mean the one theory is that and this is kind of jumping off interstellar again which was basically if If we if we don't, you know, all destroy ourselves in some horrendous way, what will happen is eventually we will get evolved more and more and more. And it depends, some people, like Joe Rogan, believes that it's, you know, we're gonna infuse technology and then you via that our brains and consciousness is gonna expand to a degree, and then maybe we'll become more digital ethereal beings, or or increase our bandwidth to such a ridiculous degree that we'll be able to maybe comprehend these sort of things, or maybe just evolution will take its time and over millennia of generations and generations and generations then we will get to a point where we can understand and comprehend the universe more but i feel like almost when you uh, almost like a hope i'd say more so than a necessarily concrete belief but is that when you die and uh, your consciousness becomes one with the universe i feel like it's almost the fingers click and then for a nanosecond you understand everything just before the lights go out, just as as you kind of, as the description you said with the, the drops, as your drop touches the drop of the ocean, you've got that split second of where you've still got the shape of your own droplet and it is connected to everything else. And maybe in that moment, that's when you understand and that's like the final rest of that's the kind of that's the piece that everyone always speaks of when you pass is that you get the full piece. You don't feel any pain. You don't feel any worry because as you connect with that, everything makes sense. I, I completely agree with that in every manner, shape and form. Uh,
2: but I also think that is but a small piece of what's really going on. Not only do I believe mm-hmm. that uh, there is a moment in which you're like, aha, I get it, but there's and, and I'm not, again, I have no fucking clue. I have no idea this is, there's no way I could know. <laughs> no but do I. I have I a, cu- <laughs> I have a couple of, uh, theories as to how that could take place. I think of information as, um, labeling and creating lists, right? So you're born and there's nothing and you, you're taught by something else what things are. Everything is just, Cult smudges, smudges everywhere. You don't know what anything is, but eventually you see one smudge enough, and that's mom. And you see enough smudges, and you're like, that's a couch, that's a chair. But eventually, uh after you've refined the basic things, you start making things a little more complicated. So chair, couch, uh, uh, sofa, love seat. Then um, chair, bed. You start to distinguish things that already exist. Standing chair, sitting chair, whatever. A bunch of million things. You make a million list, a million. You become complicated as time goes by. You hit a peak of life where you've already gathered all the relevant information. You'll still learn, but not as fast. Now you start stripping away the useless information and kind of pulling wisdom out of it. But eventually, even that process stops. This is when you're closest to your deathbed. And as you're on your deathbed and your mind is starting to shut down, you start to lose information. We see this all the time. People forget their names. People forget who they're around. They'll remember briefly and it'll disappear briefly. And they'll talk to somebody who's not even there for a couple of minutes. And this could all just happen at the very dead end of their lives. But like you said, there's this sort of peace that is always mentioned by them. Like, I, I don't feel pain anymore. Or I feel good. Or uh, this is, this, I'm happy now or that kind of stuff that we always hear. And that's because I do think that they're seeing from the other perspective at that very moment. I think the picture is becoming more complete as they're sort of fading into whatever is happening that they're going to join and be that bigger thing. I think that is definitely one of the forms that this take one, takes, one of the possibilities that's happening. There is a increase there is a decrease and then there is total and pure knowledge that makes us fully aware what i would argue is to my own point there is that why would why would it have to be that there is even an end right so Mm. imagine you are living right now you're, you're experiencing this moment and uh you Somebody scares you, right? You're just experiencing the moment. Somebody scares you. And then you snap into a moment where you're 80 years old and you're just remembering. You just realize, oh, no, I was just spaced out. This was just a memory. Now, in that moment in the future, 80 years old, the real you, you were just daydreaming. It makes total sense. That you were just daydreaming. But in the daydreams version of you, you're not thinking about you at 80. That never happened in that moment. You were just living your moment at 18 years old. You know, you were just there. You were just hanging out, chilling with friends, doing what you're doing. But you pop back into being 80. You're like, oh yeah, that was a cool memory. But it doesn't work both ways. One side knows about the other. The other side doesn't know about the previous. I think the consciousness problem works the same way. Where you're experiencing the perspective you're in right now. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is what it's like to be Mike. This is this is the life of Mike. And I podcast and I do this and I do that. And this is my family and these are my friends. But then at a random moment, you pop back into being the bigger conscious mind. And as that bigger conscious mind, you're not shocked that you're not Mike. You're like, yeah, that was a cool theoretical moment. But as Mike, you feel like this is the you, you. It's, it's the realest you there could be, but it's not the bigger consciousness, but it kind of is the bigger consciousness. They're both simultaneous but different, if that makes sense. The best example mm. of that is when you're reading a book. When you're reading a book, right, you're Mike the Reader. And you open a book, and that book has three characters. And you have three different paths taking place, and you can jump from character to character. And you got uh, Bobby and Dave and Jeffrey. And Bobby goes left, uh, Dave goes down the middle, and Jeffrey goes through the right. You can see all three of their perspectives. You seeing all three of their perspectives in no moment means Dave knows what Jeffrey is going through or what Bobby is going through. You're just, as Dave, you know your end. And as Bobby, you know Bobby's end. But they don't know about each other, although you, Mike, the reader, you know what each one of them is experiencing individually. But they don't know you, Mike, the reader, exists. They're just going through their lives. Well, you, Mike, the reader, knows everything is happening, but you're just reading a book. And you could put that book down, go make dinner, come back, pick that book up, and continue reading. And those characters keep moving forward in their times. You could go back in time and just read previous pages. You just rewinded their time to their knowledge that never happened. They unlearned everything in the opposite order that they learned it as you went back in time to read from a different page that happened. You could jump in the future and see what's going to happen before you get there. They don't know that's happening. They're just hey, I'm Dave, I'm Bobby, I'm Jeffrey, and we are just who we are, and they don't know each other's perspectives. But your wife comes and taps you on the shoulder, and you snap out of it, and you're like, oh, yeah, of course I'm Mike. I'm not, like, surprised I'm Mike. Uh, you know, put that book down and go do something else. that That's what I truly, deep down, believe is probably more likely. And we're just experiencing this weird moment, and we think, this is me, and you are you, But there is some bigger thing that watches all the things we do. And they know what I know and they know what you know, although you don't know what I know and I don't know what you know. And we don't know what they know, but they know it all because they're us. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I believe I see where you're coming from in that regard. I think it's a way for me to sort of rationalize that. It would be uh, there's a, a lyric by My Chemical Romance which I love and that is uh, "Life is but a dream of the dead," which is that which, regard, in that context of that song, I don't know if he meant the way I kind of took it, but in my mind it's like the moment where where I speak about where it's like sort of the droplet and as you touch the water and everything makes sense in, in a way. There's that idea um which is what we're experiencing right now at present, uh, where you know I'm speaking with you, we're doing a podcast and jazz. What it is, is that we're Not actually here is that we've died, and that when you die, you have a nanosecond before death where your brain will then replay all your memories again, and you're living in this like infinite ethereal replay of your own life from that. Now, that's one perspective of the less uh, spiritual side, that is more of a just uh, much more of a secular thing, you know, much more of the smaller scale. And if you kind of make it bigger than that then yeah when you it's like yeah, you know when when you play when you play video games or something as you say if you play a game and you're in some sort of fantasy world or something like that you're playing that character well you playing that character you 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 see what the character sees you experience the character experiences and you go around doing crazy things killing dragons whatever but that character you're controlling what that character does and says you are living through that character but that character doesn't know everything that you know that character doesn't suddenly have some sort of crazy existential crisis that suddenly oh my god electricity happens and this doesn't happen the world changes in this crazy way It, it it's not it's not a two way thing because if it went back the other way it would, the, the recipient the one who can't look back if they could, it would cause such uh so many problems, so many negative ripples, that it would just be infallible for anyone to comprehend. So almost if we're in this sort of, if everyone is connected by being all together as one conscious, when you become, when you go from the material realm or the you know 11th dimension or whatever, when you go from that place of being in the pool of consciousness with everything else, when you transfer, <clears throat> when you transfer into the physical realm, your own consciousness puts limitations in your own mind to stop you going mad, because if those limitations weren't there, your brain would be unable to to actually deal with it. It was like a computer processor. Your computer has a certain amount of RAM in it. Well, yeah, you could try and play 20 games all at the same time in full HD, but it would just burn out and not actually be able to do anything, and it would just stop and overheat. But if you try and do one thing at a time, you put things in place so in your computer if you try and open a second game while you're playing one it will say can't do that choose one between the other if you have them in your subconscious already stopping you from being able to transcend certain thoughts too quickly to stop yourself burning out that could almost be it it could be the the translation from being in the ethereal consciousness with everyone to becoming physical has to put certain limitations in, so that you can't do what you said. So you can't look back into the the group consciousness. There's there's trails of it. There's little signs. You know, there's certain times where you know you think about someone, and then they immediately call you, and you haven't spoken to them for two years, and they're like, "I just felt like I should call you. I had this weird feeling, you know." And then you could. It's going even further into the sort of the depths of these things is imagination. When you go, when you sit the paper, sit down with a pen and paper, and say, "Right, well, imagine something out of the blue." Well. Obviously, one argument is it comes from a lot of things you've experienced previously or media that you've consumed and things like that. But at, that works now. But you go back, you know, decades, if not hundreds of years before there were movies and all these sorts of other crazy things. People obviously started creating these things somewhere. Well, where does imagination come from? Well, some ideas of it are that imagination is one incredibly small transmitter inside one's brain which just connects to that strange ethereal group consciousness that knows everything and from that tapping into it you manage to get one trickle one tiny bit of information you know you get certain people who come up with these crazy amazing ideas you know the person or people like nikola tesla who he foresaw the internet happening, and he wrote it down and said, "This is going to happen. I just don't really have time or the resources to create such a huge infrastructure. But I'm telling you guys, it's going to happen. But in the meantime, I'm going to, you know, basically create like, well, not create electricity, but harness electricity and not patent it. And then, you know, as with the other sort of jazz, a lot of his ideas got patented and things. But him as an example, did he actually harness electricity? Was he the only person who could do it? If in this realm, he was the only person who did it, or was it more so that everyone? as a group conscious knew about it but it was right at that time for his little transmitter to be able to get that tiny bit of information from the group consciousness and then that's what helps humans move forward at certain steps you know what i mean yes i do completely (laughs) understand what you mean and uh
2: so it it is definite that you do believe in sort of the collective consciousness, right? The, the the greater collection of all the things, or at least that seems to be the primary belief system driving the rest. So there is uh, mm-hmm. no heaven, no hell, but there is this sort of unity that happens at death. Maybe it's followed by an infinite blackness, but at least that unity is temporarily there. Mm-hmm. So this is this is what I'm understanding. You believe, like I'm getting you correct, right?
0: yeah pretty much yeah it's just that i don't believe in a higher power or a lower power i believe everything is basically equal and in that realm mixed with energy is only ever transferred it's never lost when your physical body fails the energy that powers your meat suit dissipates into the remaining energy which is everywhere okay okay now the fun part you said you were (laughs) catholic right yeah well i was i was going to a catholic school for a while and i did i did believe in god at that time and i started to question it when i was around eight or nine years old and then from there i kind of i became quite a militant atheist during my teen years and then as experiences have happened to me since then i've become a lot less no that is definitely it i'm more like well i don't know well so yeah i was kind of i'd say when i was young yeah i I would say for ease of this conversation to make things not too complicated when i was really young i would align myself with a Catholic. Okay and you believe they are wrong i believe all religion and all spirituality is has one piece of the puzzle and all science has in my mind probably more pieces of the puzzle But that at present, we're doing a puzzle which is probably about a million pieces, and we've probably got about 12. Well, we've probably got about 100 uh, if we include all the religions and all sorts of other sciencey things. So I feel like every religion has a part which is correct, but as a whole is not infallible. What if I told you – what if I
2: told you that your previous religion, Catholicism, right? Let's say Catholicism, Mm -hmm. had every part of it right. And I could explain it.
0: I mean, I'd I'd let you... I'd listen to what you have to say. I'm intrigued. Okay. But I'm gonna uh,
2: cover that up by saying... I don't think science has the majority of it correct. I also don't think Catholicism or Islam or uh, Judaism or Shinto has all of it or majority, or... No, no, I don't think anybody's in the lead. And I'm going to mm-hmm. address it with saying a simple thing. Language. I mm-hmm. think we're all talking about exactly the same thing. You just changed the language you were using to describe what you were talking about. So let me go mm-hmm. and paint the broadest picture, and I'm going to put three totally different things in front of you, right? One is science. Okay. The other one pure philosophy metaphysics as hard as you can go the global consciousness so we got pure science we got the global consciousness and on the other one we're gonna go right where you came from we're gonna go straight catholicism okay so these are our three examples right and we're gonna go down to the simple basic level at the very beginning of the universe and i'm just gonna describe how this looks right let's look Mm -hmm. at science we have a singular point All the matter, all the energy, everything that could ever exist is already in existence. It's all there at a single point. There's no beginning to it. There's no ending to it. It was always there. You can't make it. You can't destroy it. It was always there. It's at a singular point. All right, let's move over to the middle where we have the global consciousness. This is an infinite amount of potential energy that exists. All the consciousness that will, could, shall, in any manner, shape, and form exist is all present. All right, let's go to the right and look at Catholicism. There is this spiritual energy, all-encompassing. It is everything. There's no beginning to it. There's no ending to it. It's all there, 100% of it. Everything that will ever be is there. All right, we got a full picture at the very, very beginning before anything has happened. Let's hit Mm -hmm. play and start seeing how this develops. Back to science. There's a giant explosion, and we have a, a... period of creation where things are unstable and things are disbalanced and things make no sense as things start taking shape so we have the explosion a very hot period where matter couldn't happen and it starts to cool down and then we have the formation of stars and the formation of planets and we'll call the stars we'll we'll move over to religion and we'll call the stars the heavens and the planets the oceans and we'll go over to the global consciousness and we'll say that uh pers- individual perspective is starting to form there are things not just a thing but the the, the ability to distinguish is happening okay so we have different things happening and all but they're all the same so far OK, now mm-hmm. we're going to go to science and how uh, humans are coming to be and life is starting to happen. Right. And we have individual people walking around with individual perspectives and they all exist and they're living happily ever after intelligent life. Yay. We go to uh, the global consciousness, pure philosophy, and we look at these uh, perspectives that happened and they call themselves people and they feel individual and they feel independent okay we go over to catholicism and we see all these people that have different perspectives that they've been given they have a different ability to navigate and they feel individual okay fine now let's look at how this happened everything that ever existed is inside of everybody right in science we'll call Mm. that stardust we're all made of stardust everything that existed is what we're made of you can agree with that right
0: i almost said stardust
2: earlier the conversation actually okay perfect everything we are we are where we came from there's no exception you could not have made us without the stars that we came from and they came from the nebulas that came from the big bang great we're stardust we are all infinite consciousness. Okay, there was one consciousness, and it generated different perspectives, and we are no different than that. It It is a direct connection, including the imagination you described. We're just connecting to this thing we're already part of. We're part of it. It is part of us. Okay, let's go to religion. We have—God uh, made all of us. He exists inside of all of us. We are all part of him. We are a piece of him. He is a part of us. In every single one of these instances, I can't see the perspective of the universe. I feel like an individual within the universe, and I'm part of it. In the global consciousness scenario, I can't see the bigger perspective of the universe, of the global consciousness, of the the bigger entity, but I feel like an individual, and I can comprehend that there is something. In the case of God, I can't... I, I feel like I'm an individual, and I can feel the spirit of God, or whatever, and I can't see god's perspective or that giant ability to create something so complicated but i can comprehend that something made it which part of this story sounds different to you
0: well that's a very interesting way of looking at it so obviously each one is is almost as you say is the language used which is sort of defining the the differences which is quite an intriguing thing it's almost like you can have lots of adjectives for a positive word. Like just, that is nice, but that is good. That is brilliant. I mean, they're all, in essence, saying the same thing, that that thing is positive. But due to very, very minor tweaks on uh, inflections even and come into it as well, it changes your perspective of it. So I suppose wh- where you're coming from in that regard is the baseline is relatively all the same thing. But from the almost perspective, or maybe the angle in which they're using to describe it, that's what makes it seem like a much more different. Uh, that's what makes it seem really different to itself.
2: Yeah. So, so what's, what do you think about that? Do, do 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 you do you see where I'm coming from? Like, I don't think that mm-hmm. there isn't a god, but I also don't think that there is a god. If mm-hmm. It's, it's it's like saying yeah. the big bang is god there would be no difference yes it is it made us
0: mm-hmm. i suppose with um i mean i agree with you on, on that regard i feel like with um with my analogy of the the puzzle pieces and things i feel like it was more not every religion and all bits of science and all bits of philosophy are one puzzle piece they each have a part in them which is the puzzle piece which is probably all what what the same thing which is we're all talking about is the the baseline the baseline idea of most religion i agree with which is you know i don't necessarily agree in the idea of karma but i agree that your life will be better if you are a nicer person i don't believe there's some magical force that makes bad things happen to you if you're a dick but i just feel like you will live a better life if you are a nicer person which in essence i'm saying the same thing as someone who's saying karma exists i've i'm just putting a slightly different spin on it so what you said there is very intriguing and i i would be very it is a very interesting idea but what's funny is that are you uh, familiar with the uh, the tower of babel yes the, you know, it's the religious story of everyone on the whole planet spoke the same language and then they created this big tower to be able to try and reach the heavens some each god god didn't like that he destroyed the tower and then in punishment for humans he created uh, everyone or people in different regions to speak different languages so therefore they could not all communicate and work together in the same way to be able to build a tower up to heaven again which is a very interesting analogy one thing that comes from that which is another perspective is the uh you know there's lots of theories a simulation theory and lots of other crazy things and one idea is that the unifying language of everyone would actually be, as an example, let's say binary. Because the it, even though certain languages have certain words for things and other languages don't have other words for things, for the most part, most language can convey most of what most people want to say for, for, in general. So my one idea it's quite interesting that I take from religion. And as I said, I'm not a religious individual, but I, I do like a lot of the religious stories and things. And I think that a lot of them have some very intriguing metaphors and very intriguing things is that there's this idea, which I like to entertain more for fun than actual belief. Is there's, there's a language of the universe, which, as I said, it could be like binary, which is quite an interesting thing because, you know, just ones and zeros and stuff. If everyone understood and spoke the language of binary in some way, then that is actually how the universe works. Like all atoms, if you get into them in a a deep enough scale, they hold some degree of information. And that information would only be readable in this specific universe language. And that universe language would be from where the idea of how the entire universe started. But because that universe language is potentially infallible by humans, we can't read it, our brains haven't evolved in that way, whatever reason one wants to give so that language had to get translated and this is synonymous with religion which is one of the reasons i don't uh conform to any religion is because for an example with it with uh christianity and catholicism you know it was written in i think ancient hebrew or something and then or even before that and it's just been translated so many times that a lot of the, the it's because of the sheer amount of translations and how long it's been since they're originally written etc etc it is made the end product quite different from the initial project, which is what i said previously about the chinese whispers so i feel like with the the science philosophy and uh religion aspect they're all trying to work out what makes the universe tick when really they are in essence saying a very similar thing but due to language as well as the the doctrine almost that they're written in you know science there's a lot of you go on wikipedia you try and work out you read what a black hole is every fifth word you have to look up because it's using some sort of word you don't understand well that in itself is its own language that you have to learn same with religion and same with philosophy in a lot of ways is that i think language is potentially the key crux which actually stops people from being able to fully understand each other
2: I, I see what you're coming from. That is definitely what I'm trying to get at, for sure. I, I think the mm. the key is the language. I don't think we are – I don't think anybody's talking about anything different. I think we're using different words and missing each other thinking it's something different. Somebody screams God and mm. you're like, well, I don't use that word, but you don't have the 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 information – comprehend that all these words mean the same thing and somebody says big bang and that guy screams well no i think god but the, the ability to convey that oh i just meant the beginning oh no i meant the beginning too like that part never happens because we're so fixated on the word used rather than the meaning behind it and I think that's really where we come into the pro- the labeling problem. We label things differently, but they are the same. And it's because we're worried mm-hmm. about the label. We're not worried about what it means. They say green. They say blue. How about we're talking about color? You know, that, that problem mm-hmm. never gets addressed. And so we, we tend to miss each other consistently through talking, through conversation. And... The thoughts we're having are n- nearly identical. Nobody has any unique thought. It, again, I do believe, I truly, truly believe, all things have always existed. There is no... You can't gain information. That's not a real thing. There, All the information was already here. There was... You can't create anything. There was nothing extra to learn. You know everything there is mm-hmm. to learn. You're just looking at it from a certain perspective all you could do is be offered a different perspective and then that call that information essentially because okay so you know words and then somebody gives you a different word but is that a different word? Or is that the same thing said differently? It's the same thing said differently. Okay. It's just perspective. That's all that there is. The universe is made of perspective. The angle you're looking at something in. But nobody has ever acquired anything new. Nobody's ever learned information that didn't exist. In order to make electricity in the first place, you had to know electricity existed. But how did you know electricity existed? Well, you used the pieces you already had to conclude. Well, that wasn't new information. That wasn't New perspective on existing information. You didn't invent electricity. Like you said, they tuned into something. Tuned into what? Into existing mm. information. It was already there. There was never a moment of non existence. And yes, there's the people who had to originate the thing, but did they originate it or were they just the most clever at using the existing parts to put them together and envision the new perspective of all the same information? It was all the same. You couldn't do it without what was already there, and what was already there wasn't invented by anybody. Nobody created nature unless you're subscribing that God exists, but that's the black hole. And that's the global consciousness. You were that the whole time. So was it new or was it just the angle you were looking at it in that suddenly made it click? But the language you were using the whole time prevented you from looking at it. So I would say the invention of electricity was due to somebody using a word in a weird way that made the thought click and be like, okay, now I get it. And I think that's all of the above that happens to us every day, every time we are enlightened, every time we are informed, every time we learn anything, anytime we go from uh, atheism to religion, from religion to atheism, we give up on both sides and decide we're freaking agnostic or even give up on that and we're like, I'm metaphysical, I'm not even here. All of that just happens to be because of the language we're using to think of things. And language is powerful. It affects us in so many different ways. Just how certain languages have present tense and past tense affects how some of us use money. Think of a Japanese has no future or past, but they save money because they think everything is in the present because that's how they're programmed to think. Meanwhile, we have in the Western culture that speaks primarily English, uh, present and past tense. But because of that, we think there's always tomorrow. And as a result, most of us are broke as hell because we just have no reason to think that I need the money now because there's, there's always tomorrow. That the the way we're affected by language is so extreme, and that is entirely why we think we're talking about different things. But we're not talking about different things. We're just talking about the same things differently.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in everything you've said there. I mean, one of the things that I've thought about is, uh, as an example, is Jesus. Now, regardless of my uh, religious or lack of religious affiliation throughout my entire life, I've always kind of thought, well. No one can really argue that Jesus isn't almost the epitome of what a person should be for, for the general part. You know, if you get really deep into the doctrine, there are a few things he did that maybe not. But the general idea of Jesus is that he says, you know, love thy neighbor as thou uh, would love thyself, you know. And some of my favorite memes online are actually Jesus memes. Some of them crack me up. I think one of them is him saying, you know, uh, love thy neighbor as thou would love thyself, And then someone calls out saying, well, if they're gay? And he's like, did I fucking stutter? And that cracks me up because it's just the idea of Jesus is basically just saying what almost all spirituality is saying, which is basically just, we're all from the same thing. We should all be nice to each other. Let's try and not be a dick. You know, my my whole mantra for my entire life has always just been, try not to be a dick. And if, if everyone did that, that basically will work for everything because it's just, it stops corruption and all these other things that people think about other stuff. And just while um the the Jesus memes are being looked at online right now, my favourite ever Jesus meme is actually it's Jesus standing in front of a boat. Um and it says it's uh you know it's meant to be the, the the vision of um him telling the fishermen to fish in a slightly different area and they'll be able to get loads of fish. It's a biblical story. And he's standing in the front of a in the way of a boat and it says Jesus you're in the way And it says, "Fuck you, I am the way." (laughs) I just love that. I think it's that second one there on Google, actually, that you're looking at there. Uh, It says, "God damn it, Jesus." I think it's the, I think it's that one. Yeah, if I am correct. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Excuse me, Jesus, you're in the way. Fuck you, I am the way. (laughs) But anyway, sorry, getting sidetracked by memes. Um, The whole thing is like I've always said, regardless of what I believe, religion-wise, is just like Jesus is a person one should kind of strive for. Is someone who's only doing things. For other people, in in some degree, you know, I feel like if you are one hundred percent completely altruistic, you will actually not be altruistic because if you donate everything and all your time to helping others, you will actually burn yourself out, and then as a net, you will actually not contribute as much to people's lives as you could do. If you contributed eighty percent of everything to being altruistic, spent the other twenty percent keeping yourself happy, you'd probably have a longer and happier life to then be able to help people for longer. But anyway, what you said about the language thing is is something that I. I've considered, because obviously the Tower of Babel or Babel, that I've I really like that that story and that that imagery, but I I don't think I had taken that step forward that you have just uh, enlightened me on, which is yeah that realistically everyone is kind of saying the same thing, and it's one of those things where pretty much most of the worst wars that go on in in the world um apart from you know ones about territories and oil and things primarily holy wars and things like that like a lot of the stuff that's going on in, in a lot of aspects of the middle east and lots of other things is basically just people arguing about such infallible, just so so incrementally small details that why humans get hung up on details Wrongly, I think that's one of the biggest flaws of of humans. For I feel sure. like you know, with you know, Christianity and Catholicism and a lot of the Abrahamic religions, you know, a lot of people aren't aware of this, and I wasn't aware of this recently. That Islam has Jesus in, I believe, in the Quran. He is a, I think he's a prophet, but they do not believe he is like the prophet, like they view Muhammad to be. Or they just view him, and then I think in Judaism they don't view him as a holy man in almost at all. And well, it's just, uh,
2: there's a discrepancy the there. In a, in a Judaism, yeah. uh, uh, who was it? It was uh, Moses was the first prophet. They're still waiting for the second one. In Christianity, Moses was the first prophet, and then Jesus was the ultimate prophet, Son of God. And then in Islam, Moses was the first prophet. Jesus was the second prophet, and he predicted the coming of Muhammad, who's the third and last
0: prophet. There you go. I'm glad you uh, confirmed that because, as I said, I know little bits of information about most things, but I'm not really an expert on many things. But the in that idea, obviously, they all come. The term Abrahamic religion is like they all have very similar themes. You even look through a lot of the texts, and they all use uh, numbers very similarly. You know, there's the, you know. Th- Three is normally a number uh, which is used quite a lot in religion and out of religion, and also the number seven. You know, you've got the seven kingdoms of this and the seven kingdoms of that, and then, you know, you've got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the three. You've, you've got a lot of numerology which is very consistent throughout history. And one of the things is just like, it's perspectives. I mean, one thing, um, you're, you're a Rogan listener, aren't you? You listen to Joe Rogan quite a bit. Oh, hell yeah. Really, somewhat. Yeah, cool. Uh, so do I. Um, he's had people on his show. Uh, I think it's Graham, Graham Hancock and someone else. His name is uh, Randall Carlson, I think. And they spoke about um, the meteorite that hits the ice caps, which caused the Great Flood. Have you heard that? podcast or know them talking about it
2: i don't remember that but probably i've it's quite, heard pretty much all Yeah, of you may have
0: done this is quite a few years ago now but very basically is that one of the mass extinction events that they uh subscribe to i'm trying to remember how many thousand years ago it was i think it was twelve thousand, but i may be wrong there they basically said that what's interesting is in a lot of the uh religious texts they speak about a great flood the most famous one is obviously noah's ark and the big flood there you know um and how many thousands of years ago that happened well what they're saying, Randall Carlson and um, Graham Hancock, is that a meteorite or an asteroid hit the polar ice caps, which caused a mass flood, which is actually mentioned in loads of different uh, historical and religious texts and things. And that mass flood caused a lot of things to happen in, in, in the world, and they go into the science of all that sort of jazz. What's interesting is that it's the same thing happening, but some people where they didn't understand – you know, that meteors could come or that space was even a thing at that point. So they view it as an act of God. Well, it it almost doesn't really matter if it was an act of God or if it was a meteorite hitting or whatever. The, the thing that actually matters is that there was a gigantic flood. Like, And, and it's weird that humans... I think it's, it links in exactly what you're saying is that language is kind of simultaneously the the, the key to how we communicate, but also the problem with how we communicate is arguing about the smallest smallest details instead of us being like look how similar we are in 98 percent of ways you know most people enjoy similar things most people want to live a long healthy life uh with enough money to keep themselves financially comfortable and stable and be able to help the ones they love generally speaking almost everyone kind of wants that but you get down to the finer details of how does that work, you know, and I'm not going to necessarily delve into a huge political discussion, but, you know, there's people on the left, and there's people on the right, and g- generally, most people want the same end goal. They just argue about how to get there. And it's the same with religion, and it's the same with all kinds of different things that people get into arguments about. You know, I've, by myself, I'm not perfect anyway. I've had arguments with people about really tiny, asinine specifics of a story, you know, where you you are both talk to retelling a story, and then one of you says, "Oh yeah, because I said this," and you go, "Wait, no, I, you didn't say that. I said that." And then you argue about that. It's like, but that it doesn't matter who said that part. What matters is the rest of it. If you see what I'm saying, we get we get hung up on a lot of the wrong things, which is one of our biggest uh, character flaws, I'd say.
2: Yeah, we 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 seem to have a a problem. Sort of, how do I put it? We are st- we are too fixated on the. Th- subjectivity of the matter there you go we're too fixated mm-hmm. on the subjectivity of the matter and we don't look at things from an objective light and if we did that we would see million crossing lines and be like what the hell it's all the same nobody's saying anything different we're just saying it differently but we we're trapped in the subjectivity of it
0: i've just thought of a theory that's just kind of flicked on apologies for interrupting no, which is um it maybe that what we've been speaking about this whole time you know the whole uh sort of i love that analogy by the way of the the sort of uh the flood and the the almost a droplet of us being a uh, consciousness maybe the reason that we fixate on all these things is the same metaphorical reason the Tower of babel as a story exists and things like that is that maybe if what we've been talking about this entire time is to be considered correct that when we go from being that droplet of consciousness and we transform into the physical manifestation of that consciousness, maybe some of those subconscious, deep rooted internal stopping mechanisms for our brains overloading is actually us fighting with each other and fixating on the wrong things. Because if we all actually got along, we would get, we would get to a point where we would get to the greater understanding far too quickly for our physical bodies to actually catch up to which would actually potentially cause the end of physical humanity because our brains can't actually at present comprehend the in air quotes answer to the question and that's why there's so much conflict is because it has to be this way until we've evolved so our physical forms are ready to have the brain and processing power to actually comprehend and understand what everything is
2: well i i would i would agree with that but i actually think that the reason that we experience this uh subjective problem the problem of subjectivity mm. if you will is because we chose to if that makes sense it, minus mm. the uh idea of there being uh the big bang but the big bang would be no different we gotta assume in this point that the big bang maybe has a level of capacity that maybe we don't comprehend but that being the case if we're talking about the global consciousness the collective consciousness or a deity that kind of created everything uh, think of just the story of jesus specifically right what what is that if not god exploring a different point of view Otherwise, mm. there's just God not understanding. But God made a bunch of stuff. Why can't he understand it? Well, he wants to understand it from the perspective of that thing. Why did he make the things in the first place to need to understand the perspective of those things? Well, he was probably bored. If there's nothing to do and you're all that there is and you already know everything, how interesting would it be if you only knew a piece of it and then tried to figure out the bigger picture? I think mm. that it's sort of a game almost. There's no... For for the bigger collective giant thing that we really ultimately are, there's no danger in exploring individual perspectives. There's no risk. But there's the excitement of what would happen if I didn't know I was everything? And if I was only the percent of a percent of a percent of a percent of that, and there were a billion, trillion different versions of that, and they're all me, but what if I didn't know I was me? And then let's see what that's like. Because you're already everything, and then what is there to do? Just live in peace? Peace from what? There's no conflict. There's, there is no good, there is no bad. Everything is just a monotone flat note. But, maybe the point of Subjectivity is the exploration is of me arguing, uh, no, there is a God and you saying, no, there isn't. And then some other guy being, but no, the global consciousness and fascinating, fascinating that that conversation is even happening because it's all of the above. But who the hell cares? Because we can have the argument. And maybe the point is, isn't to find the bigger picture. Maybe that defeats the purpose. Maybe it's totally the opposite. Maybe learning the bigger picture defeats the purpose of having subjective experience to begin with. And we're just living life wrong by trying to see the bigger picture instead of just enjoying the fact that we're here experiencing a singular perspective. How amazing that we are everything and so lucky to think that we are not
0: hmm yeah and it's one of the things you said there as well really struck a chord where you said that sort of monotone note because one of the things that i've kind of uh, i've said this before i can't represent the podcast or not but i've said basically um a very quick story uh my girlfriend works in a school uh secondary school so kids between the ages of like 10 to 16 and uh there were people who came in who were trying to convert uh the kids to uh christianity or catholicism that happens you know once a year i remember it when i was at school and they come in and they you know, try and seem cool and they normally fail quite badly at it um and the reason i bring that up is because that struck a conversation with me and megan and we were talking about it and she was talking about all the cringy all the cringy things they were saying and stuff i mean she does believe in in god but she was saying you know you you hear them they show this video and it's got kids and there's like oh jimmy's having a problem oh what's your problem jimmy well it's this well you know what you can do jimmy you can look in the the good book and it will give you the answer oh thanks matt and you know that sort of stuff is not really going to get many teenagers into religion it's going to do what happened to me which is hate it uh for quite a while until i got old enough to kind of have a better perspective and what i've said before is i think i would be better at trying to convince kids to become religious. From myself not actually being religious, because I can see from an outsider perspective a lot of the appeal. And that links in with what you said about the monotone note, it basically being like when I was younger, when I was in Catholic school, one of the reasons that I kind of deferred from it quite heavily was because I would ask a lot of questions when I was younger, and a lot of the teachers didn't have answers, and therefore, instead of being adults about it and telling me they didn't know and they'd look into it, they would just tell me to stop asking questions, which made me more curious and made me resent them and you know, blah. What the monotone note thing relates to this is the idea of god's plan which i do not subscribe to but the argument and the idea is that to see it visually if you live a life where there was no bad there couldn't then in theory be any good it links in with everything we've been talking about this whole conversation you know you can't make a mountain without digging a hole etc cetera, etc cetera. you don't know what's good until you've experienced horrendous like bad stuff you know you don't you don't really understand you can't you can't compare the two without having the other one So. What that made me think of is the idea that you can't have good without bad. And what a heartbeat looks like on one of the heartbeat monitors is an up-down, up-down, you know. When you're dead, it's just that mm, that, that that straight deadline because you're not feeling anything good or anything bad. And that in itself is actually, in air quotes, being dead, is that when you are not alive – you are feeling not the good or the bad. You are pure neutrality. So maybe that is the appeal. That is the reason why these. When we're in that like flood of consciousness with everything else, and um, we've got all the information in the world, but as you say, because we have everything, there's no ups or downs because we have everything. So maybe the in becoming a physical form, because it gives you certain limitations, and because maybe what you said about the whole almost God splitting himself up into not knowing how the universe is not knowing or what these things are in doing so you then experience really unpleasant things but really pleasant things as well and from that the experience of of going through good things and bad things synonymous with the heart rate monitor of going up and down beep 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 that in itself is what life is about It's about experiencing the good and the bad and that is the same as the how the heartbeat looks like once you stop experiencing the good and the bad that's when you flatline
2: Yep, 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 one hundred percent. That's exactly what I believe. I and actually okay, perfect. We just pulled up the uh the Hermetic principles. That is a hundred percent the uh, the the whole thing of waves. Everything comes in waves. You know, it comes up and comes down. And you you need the up to even know what down is. Polarity is a mm-hmm. freaking thing. Without left, there was no right. There's this middle. Without up, there's no down. Without happy, there's no sad. Without love, there's no hate. And so I think that goes with everything. That's uh, the the natural state of things and. Like you said, it is the, the flat line. Who wants the flat line? The point isn't to to investigate and learn the bigger picture and understand the bigger picture, because we already know what that is. That defeats the purpose of having the ability to be subjective in the first place. Think of what, uh, what do they say? You know, you you take these drugs that sort of dissolve the barriers of your mind, DMT, Mm. LSD, psilocybin, and they dissolve the walls to your brain and expand your consciousness and then suddenly have a bigger picture. But why were those walls put there in the first place? They were put there so that you don't experience the bigger picture. The point was the smaller picture. It's how small of a picture can I possibly get and how exciting would it be? How m- much up and down would it think about it? Just by us believing that uh, science, philosophy, and religion are identical, we've lost a conflict. We've lost the ability for an up and down. And we've, and we've achieved that flatline. The monotone happened because we realize, oh, there are no extremes here. There is no this side or that side. They're all the same side. It's all a flat line. We've lost something in gaining something. And that's a weird uh, uh, weird conflict to have in which the bad disappeared. So there's kind of no good. There's no upside mm. to us knowing this. Because before it was like, oh, no, that side was evil. My side is good. No, all sides are equal. That means there is no good or evil. They're just there. And we've lost a lot at the same time that we gained a lot. And it's weird because the more objective we come, the less subjective we become. And we sort of begin to lose that individuality as we start to understand other people more. And as we start to connect with other people more. And as we start to understand the universe more, we let go of the thing that makes us us. Or, or better yet, we let go in, in me understanding more. I let go of what makes me me. And I start to embrace what makes us us, which defeats the purpose of me having been me in the first place. Because the reason I'm me is to be me, not to be us. Otherwise, we would have just been us. And that's a weird problem to have. It's counterintuitive that you would always seek more information, but the point of life was to not have it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's almost like a paradox, isn't it? When it's it's like I remember learning in I think it's media studies or something, that in in a way to one of the things I think you may have noticed I do quite a lot, which is I I like to do analogies and almost almost translate things in some ways, which is unironically what language is. But like with with that whole idea in a very, very simple term, is almost every single film as an example in in, in existence, even kids' films and things relatively all of them bar a few they go, they have three main stages which is um i can't remember the exact terms so your friend may have to look this up but it's basically it's an equilibrium the disequilibrium and then it must be something else again it's basically the three stages of a of a movie is, and the word equilibrium is in it but it basically is that at the start something seems okay and then something bad happens. When the bad thing happens, that's the disequilibrium. And then once the disequilibrium gets resolved, you come to the new equilibrium. And it's basically that by the end of the film, generally speaking, the bad stuff that's happened in the middle is usually resolved. And so from that, it means that really, especially for kids' films, they normally finish the way they start but that's not the point the point isn't that that happened the point is that the the ups and downs of the equilibrium and the disequilibrium is the thing that makes it exciting
2: yeah yeah the the um the how do i put it the the little the conflict. Yeah, the conflict. The, uh, the in school they used to teach it as a little mountain. You know, there's the beginning mm. where you you have the view of the world as it is. Then you have that little up point where you experience the conflict. The uh, the, uh, the and then the resolution also happens up there. Well, actually, no. You have the, the original state, the conflict, and then the resolution at the bottom, and you got that little kind of jump, that heartbeat monitor that's happening with conflict being the top of it, and then the original life, and then the conflict-resolved uh, life being opposite sides to each other in opposition to uh, across from the mountain. So you have to get over the mountain to get to the new normal. But mm-hmm. before you got to the mountain, there was, you were also just on a flat plane to start with, and you thought that's what it was. If you never experienced the conflict, that line keeps moving, and it's flat forever. But the conflict mm-hmm. brings you up. It brings you up into the, the different. You get to see perspective with conflict. You get to see difference with conflict. And then when that's resolved, you come to the new normal, this new monotone, flat line. There's no excitement. And then from there, you assume that's a new beginning, and when you introduce a new conflict, you repeat this, and then you have this infinite heartbeat coming, which every time there's a conflict, the beat goes up. And every time it's resolved, it comes back down. And that's a new normal, and then a different conflict comes, and then the beat goes up, and this repeats forever. It's actually the stages of plot development. When you're creating a, a book or creating a movie or something, it's how a plot develops. And that, that's, yeah, that's sort of the purpose. It's the way you structure it. And, and I guess that kind of goes into the whole, you know, God's plan or whatever the hell people want to call it. Like, I guess in the, okay, perfect. This thing right here, that kind of up down motion that we're seeing is exactly what I'm talking about. Before you get to the Mm. upslope, you are just monotone. If you cut it off right there, that's just a flat line. But then you have all the problems, conflict and resolution, all this crap. And then when you get to the actual resolution, the solve of the problem, you're at a new flat line where it's just normality. Now, mm-hmm. in the idea that we are here to experience subjectivity, and we are always, for whatever reason, striving for more information when we should be enjoying our subjectivity rather than trying to become one with everything... It's like a paradox. Uh we, we, we're we're shown we, we're confronted with this, with this sort of heartbeat that the point of life, the only reason that our literal heartbeats is to experience that casual up randomly and be like, oh we're on the other side. Cool, cool, cool. And then the moment you're going through it, oh man, this sucks and it's horrible and it's whatever. But it's uh the point of sex. You do the work, you get the orgasm. The point is the orgasm. Everything else is the work. The Mm. uphill right here is the work. You're trying to get to the resolution where you're like, oh, yeah, I made it through the hard part. But you need the hard part to get there.
0: Hmm. But it's also like there's so many analogies that work so well for this. It's, it's like a it's like a roller coaster. Like, obviously, for we're, we're for your listeners, we're obviously looking at a uh, variety of different diagrams and things to do with uh, plot development and things like that. But it's like with a roller coaster, if you go on a roller coaster, which is just a standard circle and it's got up or down, that's not, that's not very exciting. The exciting part is going all the way up and then all the way down. But if you can, comp- if you just cut out the middle, you would just be going dead straight and it, and it links in with what you were saying um you know the subjectivity and things like that which is it's, it's a philosophy that i've kind of if someone said to me what is the meaning of life you know and that's not a question i get asked very often because quite, people don't ask me that question because why would they um but to say it is that the meaning and I, i've kind of always uh subscribed to this which is and it fits in with everything about what you said about if God split himself into versions of himself or any of these other theories that we've actually spoken about in this chat, is that life is about the moments. You know, it's not about the big picture because the big picture is you're born, life is pretty difficult for the most part. There's horrendous, horrendous, cruel things will happen to you and it's not your fault and then you die. That's if you don't pay any attention to the really finer details. But life is about the little moments. You know, there's those moments that I would presume everyone's listening i would hope has had at least one moment in their life most people would have had hundreds and hundreds of moments which you just you think about them and they just make you happy you know small moments just like you know you're playing you just you're playing a game and you've been playing it for ages and you've stuck on this one bit and then you finally defeat that boss or you finish that puzzle and that moment you're like fuck yes i did it that moment makes it all worth it and that's kind of what it's like with a lot of other things whether you're in relationships be it friendships or like a, a proper air quotes relationship any of these things most of the time is either normally neutral or okay or whatever but it's the moments within it and i think people who have kids i don't have kids to clarify um, but people who have kids probably have this a lot more because i've grown up with, i've got nieces and nephews and things and like i've got brothers and whatever and so we'd, occasionally you just have like a really cool moment with a kid and it's just like it almost makes it all worth it you know it, it, it's life at the end of the day the big picture isn't important but the importance is that the small details the little moments in life those just yeah just the, the moments that bring you joy that's what life is actually really all about as opposed to this big you know when you're 90 years old and you're on your deathbed, what do you have next to you it's not about that It it's Consciousness is almost the value of consciousness to me is the memories that you hold when you are done with this meat vessel is the memories and the moments that you remember that bring you joy. That's what it's all about.
2: Yeah, we we I completely agree. But somehow we as humans just fixate on all the other shit. I don't know what drives <laughs> it. I don't know why we worry about what somebody else is thinking, how somebody else is behaving, what they're doing. Oh, no, I got to change them to be more like me. And we're going to legislate and make everybody do what I want to do. And uh, I don't like mm-hmm. what they're saying. And I don't like what they're doing. And um, what do they have? And meanwhile, meanwhile, the only thing that matters is what you're doing. Because that's all you kind of get to keep. And you don't even really get to keep it. All you do is get to hold on until it goes away and you're dead. But somehow Mm. we manage to waste every second, every minute. We toss it all away, worried about what other people are doing, what other people are saying, how everybody else is living their lives. And not living our own which is what we should be doing which feeds into the weird paradoxical nature of what's going on because we're trying to get information and lose our subjectivity and we're trying to uh, worry about other people which completely exits our, our self-identity worried about somebody else's existence when we have a perspective for a reason both of those scenarios are are fighting the subjective experience we're having. Why am I worried about what somebody else is doing? Why am I trying to learn about the universe at all when both of those scenarios are in complete opposition to the fact that I am me? They They are completely opposite to the fact that I am me and somehow every single one of us every single human no matter what we do we seem to strive for the opposite of what's going on this conversation in its own is one of the most informative conversations I've had in a very long time if ever and it defeats the purpose of me being me because I got more of you and I understand you a million times more but how does knowing you reinforce my subjectivity it doesn't I'm closer to you now. I'm less me because I am more you. And that's a weird thing that's just happened. Like the Nate podcasting and, and is inherently flawed if we look at the uni- the reality of the universe. It's it's a weird problem that we're facing. Anyways, we're starting to run out of time here. And mm-hmm. this has been a quite profoundly complicated fascinating and extremely philosophical conversation which are definitely my favorite and it's just i love the fact that you came on and i appreciate that very much let everybody know all the places they could find you everything you're doing everything you've got going on
0: yeah sure well i just want to say thank you so much for having me on i do really really appreciate it it's been well it's been loads of fun you know just being able to kind of think philosophically with you and be able to bounce ideas off you and you've, you've given me quite a few things to think about especially the language thing so i do really appreciate that so thanks so obviously as i said at the start um our podcasts i feel like are uh they're not very really synonymous. That they complement each other in a lot of ways. So I think that a lot of the listeners uh, of your show who like yours may like mine. So my main podcast is called Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, I essentially have a different person on every episode. Obviously, certain times I have repeat guests, but generally speaking, I have quite a variety of guests. I've had people on who are authors. I've had blind filmmakers. I've had uh, a magister from the Church of Satan on. That was quite a fun conversation. Um, breaking misconceptions to do with the church, because the Church of Satan, they don't actually worship Satan, they don't believe in God, they're atheists. So that's really interesting. Um, musicians, travelers, mates of mine, all kinds of things. I, I've had a conversation on almost every subject, relatively. So it's really just if you want a podcast that maybe not every single episode uh interests you, but there'll always be something in the back catalogue or every now and then that really does interest you, then check out genuine chit chat it's on spotify i upload the things to youtube but almost no one listens on youtube because obviously it's a podcast but i put them on there anyway uh it's on apple and google podcast spotify Ooh. Basically, all the normal sort of podcast places. Um, you can find me on social media uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They're all at Genuine Chit Chat. Um, and then I have one other podcast, which is called Star Wars Comics in Canon. You can find it on the feed of a podcast called Comics in Motion. And I basically talk about Star Wars comics. It comes out each Saturday and I go through each Star Wars comics and give extra information and talk about in depth stuff about all of them. But Genuine Chit Chat is the flagship podcast. That's the one which, if you listen to, if you like this show, which I would presume people do if they're listening to it, especially all the way to the end, then check out Genuine Chit Chat. I'm sure that you'll find at least something that you like. And if you feel a bit overwhelmed by the episode and you don't know where to start, you can contact me on any of the social media places, or you can email me at outlook.com. And yeah, I'll get back to you. I can give you some recommendations or you can go on YouTube where I've put them into little playlists. Some are more science some are more about movies, some are about traveling. You know, a wide berth of things that I chat about because it's really just an excuse for me to have conversations with people that I find interesting and recording them and putting them, on them online is a good reason to do it because if I just contact people and go, hey, do you want to talk for two hours about something? People be like, a bit, oh, why? But If I go, yeah, but I have a podcast I put it online, you can promote yourself then it seems to make more sense. So that's that's my plug. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. A I, I, uh, couple of details before we
2: get out of here. I definitely do agree we have uh, similarities in our shows. So that's uh, one of the reasons I uh, particularly like your show, what you do on your show, and one of the reasons I kind of want to do... I was actually telling my co-host how excited I was because of how you kind of are very flowy in your conversations. It's kind of where it goes. It goes where it goes, you know? And I love that nature. Like, yeah, there's some things you want to get to, but you will not interrupt a a flow to get anywhere. And that is something I appreciate so much because there's so many shows that are, well, I'm an interview show. I'm going to go down the... Every single question I've had planned, I gotta get to the end of it. And they're just destroying every idea you're waiting to hear the conclusion to just because they want to get to their next thing. So I definitely like that you, you do have literally genuine chit chat. It is the most honest <laughs> name. Just like this show, we, we went for simplicity. What is it? It's just conversation. There's, there's nothing really happening. It's just conversation. You have that same premise and i adore that on top of the fact that you are bringing a a revolving door of people it's just different sets and different walks of life different states of mind i love All of that. And I think that is completely fascinating. Uh, Relative to uh, that episode about Satanism, that is literally the first episode I ever heard from your show, which got me fascinated in the first place. I believe that was either last year or two years ago or
0: something like that. It's quite a while now. I think it's around episode 52, I think. And I'm... I'm on like episode well, obviously 100, but because of certain longer episodes, I generally split in half. Uh, so each episode's around 45 minutes to an hour. It also makes it a lot easier for editing, which is part of the reason why I do it. But yeah, so it, it was around episode number 52. It, it was that a little while ago. But yeah, if you if you go on Genuine Chitchat on the podcasting, then just scroll down a bit, you'll, you'll find it. And if you really can't find it, then just email me. <laughs> I'll send you a link. Really looking forward to not only. Our listeners listening to this and cross pollinating, but also our future conversations to come. Hell yeah, definitely, man! I, I I greatly appreciate
2: your being here. This is something I was particularly excited for because it's not often that somebody's whole thing is having con- like yeah guests come through and they're open to have conversations but they they haven't done a hundred episodes of having just conversation with somebody else and you kind of have so th- you've <laughs> already trained yourself to be able to just kind of keep it going and keep it going and like you said on one of your recent episodes you are the extrovert among your friends so you're the guy who's usually outgoing the most and talking the most well i'm that same human i'm surrounded by nothing but introverts and i'm that guy who doesn't (laughs) shut the hell up and in doing this show i have sort of structured the ability to talk and listen and take and give more and more to the point that it's harder to find somebody who can kind of reciprocate to that degree so the mm. excitement of being able to have a conversation with somebody just as excited to just have a conversation. I, it's, I was very excited about this episode. I'm just very glad you came on here, man. And, uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you know when this comes out. I'll keep you updated as things happen, as the development of this, uh, goes. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'll inf- I'll keep you up and I'm obviously going to continue harassing you because now we're brothers. This is this is the That's end it. of. Uh, yeah, this is the end of uh, just us being strangers. Uh, now it is just me harassing you consistently like, hey, man, what's up? so yeah get ready for that that's the
0: blood blood. blood brothers but pod brothers instead of cutting our hands and uh, giving a handshake it's the cross-pollination of podcasts is what causes the bond and also how frequently do people just sit down and have a two hour long conversation with another human without interruption it doesn't happen that frequently so of all the people that i know and all the people that you know it's like the actual percentage of people you've had that degree of intense conversation with is actually quite slim so even with my own guests, uh, two and a, two hours is quite a, a, on the log excuse me, is on the longer side in all the best ways. So, you know, I feel like we could have easily chat for another two hours, but it's getting quite late here. <laughs> so I'm going to have to wrap it up. All right,
2: man. Uh, I really appreciate you being here and I'll keep you updated on everything. So uh, enjoy your night. I'm going to let you go
0: no worries at all i just want to say thank you so much again for having me on it is a genuine real pleasure to have to be on your show and yeah we'll definitely be doing stuff in the future just thanks again for having me on and having such a great conversation yes man thank you for coming
1: awesome
2: awesome
1: awesome It's cool to find to meet someone who thinks very similarly.
2: Yeah, it's Mm. crazy, right? Yes. Minus all the murders I've committed, and all the races and species I've ended, and all the realities I've altered, and the fact that I've been cloned three times, and my originator was a robot at some point who came from ghost technology, and the fact that I was married to a roach—all those you married that roach? Long story. It was very short and brief. Okay. But all those side notes minus all that that has taken place and you all you listeners you you've been with us on this ride in which all these things have happened the lore of this show is all over the place Mm -hmm. but outside of that um yeah it's uh very similar very very similar i blown away i totally did not expect where that was going and the fact that he It's not just that he thought similarly, but that he thought about it almost as hard as I have.
1: He thought about it
2: as... Like, he's given that so much thought. He landed on all the same conclusions that I have ever landed on. With the exception of language. That was my Mm. one and only... Usually, I have a million cards to toss on the table and be like but did you think of it like this
1: and people are like i don't have any (laughs) yeah
2: and uh, this guy came with a stack deck but i still had the ace of speeds Mm -hmm. yeah see in my mind every conversation is like a game to me i want a good push and pull but i'm looking for a place where i can learn something from you and where i can teach you something you did not know and that was the language. And that was the language part. I was looking to see it. Now, when it comes to religion, as soon as you mentioned that, I was just like, yes, this is this is where I'm going to cling on to for dear life. Because I love that. If you can give me more information relative to that, I am going to be blown the hell away. I love to add pieces to uh, religious thoughts and philosophical thoughts and creationist thoughts and origin of things.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I like that he's one of the only guests we've ever had who come from a background of religion. We seem to have, like, a wave of atheists come through here. Not to say, because he was also a pretty atheist, atheist, but at least he came from a religious background. Yeah. But I guess it's not that dissimilar from the fact that pretty much everybody we've had is an atheist.
1: But I'm sure they all came from religious backgrounds, didn't they?
2: But to that degree where they went to, like, Catholic schooling hmm i'm not sure about that i don't know like let's go down the list we've had skaters on here musicians no we've had I, I have no idea what hancock is but i know for example uh jesus pagan was on he has a mixture of being raised christian and becoming a spiritualist but there's no i went to christian school but uh, yeah, so uh, other than Jesus pagan who had uh he was raised in that background, I don't think like there's not really anybody who went to uh Christian Catholic or pretty much even any anything for the most part, there's nobody who's been to anything, and again, I have no idea what the people who haven't mentioned it are, but the people mm-hmm. who we have had these conversations with don't seem to have any particular background towards it, like I don't think Dave aligns with anything
1: i don't think so (laughs) i don't know
2: i don't know Uh, like it would blow my mind if he's like no i'm catholic as hell it's like whoa dude didn't see it coming
1: yeah but
2: do you think he's atheist that's a weird one i don't know how the hell that's never come across isn't that interesting yeah just bring on dave and be like what do you think about god there's no other reason you're here right now guy Just, just just why do you think what do you think tell me
1: i feel like he'll be in the middle
2: you think he's in the middle? Yeah, he's a balanced guy. He'd he's probably balanced. just be like, it, it is what it is. Like, mm. Yeah, it is. That's, that's a good place to be, though. It's a good place to be. Yeah. It, extremes are the problem. No, it's, there's, the problem is there's no such thing. That's, yes. That's really the problem. The
1: problem is just live your life.
2: The one thing that I will say, what, first. Then
1: Zen is right.
2: This is sort of. Kind of, sort of. It's kind of wrong, too. I'll explain. It's right, but wrong. It's the most right. But when it comes to learning things, in talking to him, the perspective that I've never considered arose, and it's entirely based on what Mike said. And it led me to think that the point of life is kind of to not seek information. It really is just to kind of be. That's where Zen is, right? Yeah. That's where Zen is totally right. hmm Now... That's crazy because it's so counterintuitive. That is entirely the opposite of what all of us always do 100% of the time forever and ever and ever. And there's no exception to that rule. That's, that's so, cr- that blows my mind. He blew my mind with that. I was so excited when I had that thought. And I'm like, you can't, you're kidding me, right? Like this is. But
1: it makes sense. But it, it defeats. So sense.
2: It does. That's the scariest part. But like it makes so much sense. I have spent the entirety of, think about this. This means all the stupid people are doing it right.
1: They're not either, because they're not living in the moment the right way. Well,
2: this is where Zen is wrong.
1: Oh. Because they should be feeling all these feelings and. Because
2: they should be they... experiencing subjectivity. They should be being as them as they can.
1: Ah.
2: Because that's the point of being here.
1: Yes. Oh, I see.
2: One thing I will always say is the only wrong is believing you're right. Definitely. That's it. There's no other wrong. Everything else is right. It's just believing that you're right that is wrong.
1: But you should believe you're right. So because because you, you're yes, you and you gotta exactly. be you. Exactly.
2: You should be as you as you could possibly be. Atheos um, is...
1: Atheos, yeah. It seems
2: like he's the most god-god. Yes. Atheos above... It seems like he's higher than Keck. Keck seems like a demigod next to him. It's kind of, sort of, does the spaghetti monster. They're just very reasonable. They're both very reasonable.
1: But they're w- not everything. <laughs> like they're atheos. not everything.
2: A good way to put it would be Jehovah, Satan, Jesus. Jehovah, bigger picture. There's yeah. uh, Brahma. That's that's atheos. And then you got, like, demigods on the sides. Mm-hmm. That's Keck. That's uh, apostropharianism. The, 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 these ideologies of chaos, as opposed to perfect rational and compassion, rationality and compassion, yes, are just possibilities and opposed. But they're to also something. extremes. They're extremes of each other. Of each other. While, but the, it's not to say that atheos is the middle ground. It's to say that the only way to experience those two things are through atheos, through perfect balance of you you got to be you you got to be the most balanced you not to be balanced objectively but to be subjectively the most you don't go to extremes of who you are just be who you are it's so impossible yeah it's crazy now for anybody listening who doesn't know atheos is a fictional god who aims to sort of encourage honesty At all times. Forever. The more honest you are, the less you suffer in life. So the more honest you are, the less you suffer. The more dishonest you are, the more you suffer. But it's not honest towards other people. It's honest to you. Be as you as possible. That is his one lesson. You will be miserable if you're not. Uh, Apostaphironism is basically another fictional joke god but this god aims towards being completely reasonable. Anything that's unreasonable is completely rejected by this god. It's just do whatever works. A lot of the things line up with uh, um, atheists, which are pray if you want to pray, I guess, and like do what you want to do, I guess. Yeah. But it's like you shouldn't hurt any other people in that process. And then there's Keck, which is yet another fictional god, but he's actually based on a real god who's from like ancient Egypt or some crap. I think
1: that's all made up too. Really. Well, I'm pro- it's, a, it's like the troll god. So you think they got real information?
2: I think there was a frog that they warped into this Keck thing. Like yes. his name wasn't Keck before. There was a no. god that he's based on. But he, that god that he's based on has nothing to do with this current god.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Maybe so
2: <laughs> Keck is the god of chaos. He is enjoy everything, have fun at any cost. This is the best ride. He kind of lines up with be as you as possible, ride the train. So it looks like all three of these gods uh, agree on one thing, which is Atheos' principle of just be you.
1: Yes. We call them fake gods. But, but they're
2: the realist, Isn't that funny? Rel- <laughs> yeah. They follow the hermetic principles. Yes,
1: exactly. That's why. They're, they're pretty real. They make a lot of sense. They're one different. day they'll have... I mean, two of them have follower- a lot of followers. Like, you two think, of them have to be real, definitely. You think we gotta you push think,
2: Atheos real hard? I think hard? so. We just gotta start promoting Atheos.
1: Yes, you're Atheos' prophet? Oh, no, I don't know. What are they called? The people that speak for him.
2: Oh my god. I guess you're kind of right, because I invented him.
1: Well, no, he spoke to you.
2: Fair enough. That's how it happens. I'm the, I'm the prophet of Atheos. Yes. Holy crap.
1: Yes, and I'm your first apostle. No, second, if um, Joe Mars won. I don't know. Yeah,
2: Reaper was the first prophet. No, the first apostle. Yeah, I guess he's also a prophet.
1: Oh, you guys did it together. We're the okay. two
2: prophets. You're the first apostle. Yes.
1: Oh, there you go. Wow. Powerful. Okay. Anyways, yeah,
2: uh, <laughs> this guy totally blew my mind with that. I yes. Was, I was so blown away to 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 stop de- to stop derailing. I was totally blown away by the fact that he like I don't, bro. That he changed how I see the universe so I hard. I think
1: you helped him. Just- to change how he sees it.
2: Just the whole... Well, oh, oh yeah, when I dropped that card of language, I just changed his reality as well. Yeah. It was a mutual changing of reality. And a
1: lot of people, I hope, if they get anything from this, is that none of these things are different.
2: They're They're not by any means. They are totally not. It's it's harder for people to leave their subjective experiences but even more so now that we understand that it's probably the goal which is what I was saying we're kind of fucking living life wrong yeah the more the oh god but we're
1: not if it's what we were supposed to do like if we're not if we're following what we're you know who we are and this is
2: who we are but we lose the point of the subjective experience in doing so that's that's the conflict if it's really who we are, not who we think we're supposed to be. Yes. If- we are following something that will destroy our subjectivity and make us more objective, which is where we came from. Why do we be why do we come here anyways, then? What is the mm-hmm. point of us being here if all we're doing is trying to get back over there? That doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense. The point is that we're here to experience what being here is. Well there's like.
1: other things we need to experience. This is just not one of them. <laughs>
2: No, fair enough. The other are the counter argument to the point I just put forward is the fact that there's more than just us. There are people who are totally stuck on one side and don't want to unite their perspectives because it's a wave, a multitude, an infinity of different points of views and possibilities. So why would this presumed higher being opt into a million different beings experiencing and doing things exactly the same way? No. It wouldn't work.
1: I mean, the proof of if there was a Jesus-like character, proves that it he wants variety.
2: Yeah, he wants variety. That's the point. So the fact that we do chase it is just a possibility.
1: Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it's all... you can't be doing
2: wrong. Again, the only <laughs> wrong is believing you are right. Yes. That is... The, that should be one of the hermetic principles.
1: They have... They're... Hmm. Let's look at them real quick. Which one could that relate to? None of them. None of them. Polarity somehow? Mentalism?
2: Nope. No. Just the only wrong is believing you're right. That's one of that's my contribution. That and the perceptual layout.
1: Yes. You guys can check that out on the website. Yeah,
2: great thoughts on info. That's somewhere in there. Anyways, um yeah, that was a fascinating discussion and I hope you guys really, really enjoyed uh talking with uh me talking with Mike Burton, who is a phenomenal and particularly philosophical guy. I had no idea he was like I've heard his show and he is definitely profound but i've never gone down a an episode where he had this rabbit hole i've never heard an episode where he went down this rabbit hole before i didn't know this was in him and uh i was pleasantly surprised it's not...
1: you've made a, ch- yeah. you made a new friend yeah made a new friend you're the goku you're goku in the story yeah, I'm
2: goku is fuck anyways you could find uh mike burton on his show genuine chit chat all the podcasting locations, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, and Google and wherever the fucking here and fucking over there, and you could find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh yes,
1: the second podcast, um Star Wars Comics in Canon on the Comics in Motion feed.
2: Yes, and uh if you want to get in contact with him, shoot him an email at genuine at outlook dot com. As for us, you can find all our goodies on uh so conversations like this uh, if you want to hear clips of other guests and you want to find full episodes you know go to podcasting places but you want to find clips of us and uh shorts and stuff like that and fun little posts and junk like that you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok at just convo pod reach out to us communicate do all that stuff.
1: You can find the podcast on the official website GreatThoughts.info on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast.
2: See and remember to subscribe and rate the show, please.
1: And let someone who might like it know about it.
2: Yes, word of mouth is extremely powerful and the most important thing you could possibly do. You must talk about the show all the time. Tell people how twenty four seven yeah because you program them through repetition Dream about it yeah you just mention it and mention it and mention it and they start it starts sticking there and then one day they're like man i'm gonna check that show that the bob talked about all day he seems really excited about it because he didn't shut the fuck up you gotta get people there to the point that they're like oh god i can't unhear him telling me to listen to it so i'm gonna go listen to it and then you uh gave us listeners
1: yay this has been the Just Conversation Podcast. Take nothing personal and thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Bye. Just gotta not move, not change what I've got. A USB microphone? I've never used one. Yeah, well, I borrowed it off a friend of mine when I first started podcasting, and I was like, this works, so I bought one, and then I just keep getting complimented about it, and I'm like... I'm doing sacrilege, really. We can get into it when we start chatting, but I, am, <laughs> I use like free software for most of my podcasting ventures and things. It's a bit more of a DIY job than like fancy XLR mics and mixing boards. None of that tomfoolery. <laughs>
2: wow, really? So you hold on, hold on. Like there's instructions and stuff I usually give to people before we start talking, but I need to really just ask you right now. You're ta- this level of clarity is coming on the lowest budget
0: imaginable. Are you freaking kidding me? yeah I mean I use Audacity for all my recording and get voice reduction like hiss reduction out of the way I use zoom for most of my podcasts or sometimes Zencaster which is also free for more than more people Um, this microphone cost 65 pounds which is like 80 or so dollars it connects into my USB port in my laptop there's no mixer there's no virtual mixer either none of that it's just (laughs) I am blown away. It's a Samsung mic, though. So it's like it's 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 not like a random cheapy mic It is Samsung, but not Samsung, Samsung, because that's not confusing at all. But yeah, no, I'm
2: totally blown away. This is astounding. I had no idea that was even like an option. If you understood (laughs) how much crap is happening in the room I am in right now you would be blown away. There are wires freaking everywhere. There's a million computers and screens and crap all over the place to sound mediocre compared to how you sound right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, it is weird. When I first started podcasting, I did ask, I went on one of the Facebook groups things and someone was saying, oh, send me the link to your podcast. I'll tell you how good it is quality wise, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, I'll let this audio file like destroy me. And he was like, yours sounds better than most podcasts. And I'm like, but I, he was like, what bike do you use? And I was like, Samsung CO1U? And he was like, what one's that? And I was like, it's a USB bike. He was like, you don't even have a mixing board. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, I thought about we buying one, but it was like several hundred pounds. So I thought I'll just deal with the cheapy one at first. And then if I continue with podcasting, then I'll kind of upgrade. But it's been three years and I only get compliments. So I'm just leaving it as it yeah. is.
2: Yeah. Amazing, dude. Amazing. Um,. Uh... I'm, I'm so baffled by that at all. Just one more question about this before we get started. <laughs> How do you get immediate feedback, uh, like audio-wise? How do you hear instantaneously what's happening?
0: Uh, well, where I have audacity in the background, I keep an eye on the waveforms, and then if they're looking way too high or way too low, then I make a note of that on my notepad and sort out in post. Wait, so you <laughs> I... have no way of
2: hearing how you're coming across as compared to me no
0: i i when i first do it like when i like that's why i said about the mic testing i i just make sure that I press record like we are now. I just click record and audacity, speaking at a normal volume and things, just keep an eye to make sure that it's going right. Listen back to it to make sure all the levels are okay and then go ahead. And that's what I do when I have guests in in, in person as well. I've, I've got two mics that are almost identical. One's the pro, one's the normal edition and. I, I just click record, ask them what they had for breakfast, because they talk at a normal volume then rather than ask them to do a mic test where they say hello in lots of weird ways. And just ask what they had for breakfast, I say what I had, and then you just make sure they're both sounding okay. And then I do that. Um Yeah, and I, I use like normalizer on Audacity and stuff. There's a free software called Levelator that's really cool. And if someone I was speaking with over Zoom is using, you know, just like a headphone mic or something, uh, I just even out through editing and then once i've done it i put the two tracks together put that through levelator so they even reduce the gain a little bit and pop the intro and outro on i'm very much a diy kind of person so i used to do video editing and uh uh, stuff on youtube and i've done graphic design jobs i used to work at a cassette and cd production place like a tape cassette it used to be one of my jobs so i've got like Random little uh fibers of of being able to do podcasting from these random points in my life that I've done this is fantastic, dude you've uh sounded me, and I
2: like the whole breakfast thing that's actually a clever way to get a sound check i usually uh yeah, if you normally... I usually it's just okay. get the uh the the guest or or whoever is talking to uh read the just say out the alphabet like go through the alphabet and that'll get me mm. all your highs and lows and naturally come with each individual letter. As soon as I get the high yeah. letters, which come at the beginning, usually like the vowels of A, I, and E, and then I get a couple of uh, flat letters like H's and things like that, I kind of get a full range out of very normal bass sound. So I like what you do. It's actually a pretty clever way of just getting them to that neutral as well.
0: Yeah, it was, it, a lot of the guests I've had on previously, were when, especially when I first started podcasting, were people who had never really been in a podcast before and often were quite nervous. So instead of saying, can you do a mic check? And they go hello hello, my, my name my name is michael and, and it's like that's not how you talk so you just i start a conversation with them about like everyone knows what they ate that day and when you start talking about something that you're comfortable with you talk at the normal volume because i was i was having it loads of times so i'd get people to do mic tests and they speak very pronounced and i would speak perfectly fine like this hello i am doing a mic test and then you talk to them normally and it's like yeah so I, uh, i'm talking this, and uh, i hate know, that and, yep. and just, i feel you it, just, very different things
2: i feel you I perfectly understand where you're coming from
0: Dub dub Good, night. Dub, dub. Good morning. Wobba Good morning.
1: The Just Conversation podcast is hosted by Christina Colazzo and Jack Thomas, produced by Lynn Taylor, and published by Great Thoughts Info. Art by Nitrum and Zero Lupo. and logo by Seth McAllister. With social media managed by Amber Black.